A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Welcome to my good, bad brain. I'm a normal person, so I'm insane. I've got depression and ADHD, but I'm doing better since I medicated me. I'm still not always sure whether I exist or what being a person even really is. But I figured out a long time ago that being alive is I don't know why this one's been so hard for me to begin. It's like making my skin crawl just listening to my voice. I think that's something all of us go through. I have noticed I've gotten better at it. You know this thing everybody will say, I hate, I hate my voice. I can't, oh, hearing my voice on a recording, can't stand it. Or, uh, you know, seeing yourself on camera. I've gotten pretty uh, immune to it or inoculated, I should say. Certainly not immune because I wouldn't be going through what I'm going through right now if I were immune to it. But, um... You know, I've edited myself for countless hours, and it's easy to sort of have this object-subject relationship with the version of you on the screen. Uh, I picked it up working with uh, Tony Valenzuela a lot of Black Box TV. We were creating stuff together for quite some time. He remains a good friend. And he had this really wonderful habit of referring to him even if I would be sitting next to him editing me. Uh, and I do that a lot now. I do that all the time. Him, him, it's easy. I think it helps to edit. You dissociate any sort of value of yourself or, or sense of yourself because I, I don't... If you saw yourself walking down the street from a third-person perspective from the back or something like that, you wouldn't recognize you. You never see the back of your head. And nor do you hear your voice outside of the resonant cavity of your own noggin and your own skull and bones and teeth and stuff. So you, you don't even know what you sound like. And for a lot of us, that, you know, sucks to hear it. And you go, oh, God, that's me. I, I think because it reverberates in your head a little deeper, maybe a little richer. I don't know. <clears throat> but I am just, I had a banana and I drank some LaCroix and I think it's making me gassy. And uh, maybe the sugar, uh, the banana is inflaming my tissues in my nose and I feel so nasal and my skin's just crawling, hearing myself. And I've tried and restarted and done this thing over and over again, but I figured out, fuck it, that's the whole point of this podcast. Let's just, let's just embrace, embrace what you're trying to avoid, is what my high school theater teacher used to always say. So I'm going to embrace what I'm trying to avoid. I think Burn Piven told him that. I am buzzing for some reason right now. I think I have a harder time liking what I hear of myself or see of myself. There's like a direct proportional relationship to how much it matters to me. 
I always thought, especially auditions, acting, and stuff like that, if I really wanted something, I'd be terrible on it. I, I The harder I worked, the worse I'd do, I feel like. Uh, which is probably not totally true and a bad a bad lesson to, to tell myself to reinforce that. But the point is, the more something matters to me, the more I hate it, the more I fuss over it, the more I'm like, ah, oh, this isn't right, this isn't right, this isn't right, this isn't perfect. And there's got to be some kind of lesson in that, you know? That, like, you can overdo a thing. You can over-examine a thing. Uh, <laughs> the version of this I always think the most is I, I remember I I was in a play when I was 18 or 19, and I was really excited about it. It was a, a Mary Zimmerman play, and she had won a MacArthur uh, grant, which made her, you know, it's the genius grant. And she had already won a Tony, and she was this huge, she's amazing. She's this genius uh, theater artist, and uh, she was doing a new work, and I got to be in it eventually but at the callback I just asked question after question after question about trying to understand where she felt my character was at emotionally I don't know just question after question which I earnestly wanted the answer to but also I think I was just being fussy and smart quote unquote you know trying to show that I gave a shit and I had a brain or something eventually she just goes I don't want to put too fine a point on it I just want it quieter uh, and I don't know that that's I, I think what I come to in these sort of things where you just can't you're fucking can't deal with yourself you know you hate every choice you make you second guess every choice you make maybe it's just because the thing you're trying to do matters to you so much and maybe it doesn't have to be like a specific project here or something like that maybe it's just your life the way you're living your life it actually matters to you so much and that's why you have so much difficulty picking a path, you know? Making a choice moment to moment. And and loving the choice, liking it, being like, you know what? No, I stand firm in what I did and what I what I'm gonna do. That's what I wanted to do for that project, for that thing, for this you know, path on my life. Alright, so this past week, we, we launched My Good Bad Brain, and thanks to you listening and participating in the, the Patreon, and I'm really proud of how it's going. The feedback already has been really lovely. It's doing better than I imagined it would, and that means the world to me, because this may be the most important thing. I don't know. I, I, that's like saying, like, your fa- your you know, which of your favorite kids or something. But this project resonates with me a lot. It feels very true to who I am and what I'm doing in the world. And so I'm very grateful that it's being received well. But that also means it matters so much to me. And I, my good bad brain has this fucking thing that happens to me that is like postpartum depression or something. Whenever I make something new and put it out... I feel terrible right away. I I and and not not even feel terrible. I I have a depressive episode that lasts until I notice it, I guess, and sometimes longer. And uh you know, it got me thinking a lot about like what depression is. You know, I I got, you know, I I kept putting off working on today's episode to the last minute as usual and my room got worse and worse like piled up with just junk and clothes and just so filthy and that tends to be a reflection of my headspace I think and thing over thing I just I was so numb all week I was smoking tons of weed way more than I would say I usually do playing more video games than I usually do and just not getting things done and that um I don't think productivity is a good sign of worth or or 
depression or not or anything, but if you're not functioning and you wish to be, if you don't feel like you can feel yourself, if you don't feel connected to your universe and world and feel paralyzed and can't explain why, that that is how I characterize depression for myself primarily, this non-functioning thing. And sometimes it's not even a sadness or a anguish, it's a sort of ennui, it's sort of a nothing. And I realized I was in one of those. And I was like, oh, what a surprise, coinciding with this lovely launch of this thing that people are being nice about and that you're proud of and as good as out in the world now. And I noticed, you know, I noticed uh, I was less uh, present on my social media. I was less anything just because I was in it, you know. I lost like a week to it. Uh, so I thought as I was here to do this and what I want to do, right, as we continue to evolve this thing, I thought in these little beginning portions I could uh, maybe offer practical advice <laughs> that I have learned for myself. Again, not as a professional. I'm pretty adamant about that. I'm a good bad brain that I am not a doctor. I'm not a professional of any kind. Um, Some kinds, but whatever. It's not split hairs. But I have lived my life a long time with my dumb ass good bad brain. And I got some things I know work for me or maybe for other people that I'm close to. And I, I feel like it might be a nice thing to share some of those. So here's today's. A uh, little silly thing that occurred to me today. Clean your room. And if it's not your room, clean your car or your kitchen or just a pan that you have left for a while or sharpen your knife. That you know, that's a cook thing. That's such a cook thing, leaving my knives unsharp. That's so weird for most people. But, you know, something clean, cleaning. Clean your room. Why? Why does this matter? I think there's this terrible thing that uh, I used to talk about with my close friends that smart people aren't happy. You know, you get this idea that a a smart person, a happy person is a dumb person because a smart person knows. And in that knowing, knows only a dumb person would be happy. And I think a lot of smart people keep themselves really unhappy because of this association. And I have a similar one, I think, to messiness. Uh, I've read enough little clickbaity articles, and I'm sure the algorithm finds me because they know that I'll I'll like it, that say basically something to the effect of, oh, a cluttered space is the sign of, of, a, of, a, 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 of a brilliant mind, you know? A disordered space is the sign of intelligence and the creative's you know, always live in this this mess. And I have identified with that, I guess, feeling creative and feeling like I'm a smart person and that the clutter just reflected the way my brain worked. It was all over the place, but um, I knew where everything was. But I can't realize I don't really know where everything is. And this idea that my brain or my physical environment is something I have no control over and that is just willy-nilly, wild, all about craziness, this beautiful storm, isn't it wonderful? Aren't I so fascinating? Aren't I so wonderful in my in my messiness? That actually it just kind of makes my life hard. 
and unpleasant and there's no space for anything else there there's no space to breathe or think i've noticed i think better in places with high ceilings and a lot of space and that doesn't make any sense i shouldn't need physical space to project theoretical uh ideas into uh, but I do. I don't know. It helps me. I definitely think better in big open spaces than I do inside uh, elevators or whatever. So clearly my physical space has some impact on me. And so I went to clean my room. I was like, well, here's one tool I can rely on. I, I, I think of it like a, a small certain tool, like a good pocket knife. It's always there uh, in your pocket and useful and tiny. Just a little thing. Clean your room. I cleaned my whole room and I had the uh, twilight sort of light starting. I'm late in the day, too late in the day to be drinking as much coffee as I am and getting to, uh, I don't know, getting things done. And uh, the lights coming in the window and just that way, you know, in that 45 degree angle way, not 45, what am I saying? Flatter than that, you know? 120? No, that's the same thing with the other, ugh, math almost horizontal <laughs> and uh, I swear I can hear kids playing coming on the breeze you know little gentle breezes Zephyr a Zephyr you can call it technically qualifies as a Zephyr and I felt myself breathe and I felt my head open up and I felt my heart open up a little and a little bit of tension undo itself from my shoulders as I, I looked at this space, my space, literal just space. It's there for me to do whatever I want with, to just be in. And I thought about my mom yelling at me my whole life to clean up and make my bed and clean my room and blah, 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 blah. He's so mad at her about it. Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. That's not, it's just, it's just material world bullshit. It's nothing. And I had this moment here sitting in my own room. Here I am of my own volition, cleaning it the fuck up as a fucking grown up and feeling so good and thinking, oh, my mom just wanted me to feel this. She just wanted me to know that I can, using my own hands and intention, I can shape my space into something peaceful and kind to me and good, you know, calm, that I'm allowed to make a little eye in the storm of my entire existence and just be there. I mean, this is already splintering off into a million other thoughts of, you know, Thinking about how, you know, atoms aren't supposed to be divisible. And then we find out under atoms there's quarks and neutrons or whatever the fuck. I, you know, physics, quantum physics. And if you keep getting down smaller and smaller and smaller, there's still just so much more space between particles than particles. And that it's all just space. And that anything else that isn't just vacuum is imagination it's passing through you know 
that there's some root to the universe, some truth that I'm allowed to touch into. Any of us are at any time. And all it takes is that touch. There's that book, The uh, Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up, which I didn't even read the whole book. There's one sentence that's all you need in the book, the whole book. You need to write the whole book so people can buy the book and you have a business off your one brilliant thought. But the one brilliant thought is, you know, if a thing does not bring you joy, get rid of it. And it says the way to figure that out is just uh, touch it. Pick it up. When you're trying to purge your closet and get rid of your stuff, I'm a a pretty bad pack rat. So I just, you know, I, I did this at one point. It was such a joy. Picked it up. And he could feel. They said, yeah, you're right. Just like the book says. You picked it up. Don't care. It does not bring me joy. Out. Garbage. Or goodwill. Whatever. Space. You're allowed. I don't know. All right. So that's my one. That's a practical. There you go. That's practical. If you're if you're having a bad one, if you know that you're in another episode, that's one tool that I know works. Clean something. Just clean something. Something for you. Something that is yours. And maybe in that, allow yourself to know that you can create space for yourself at any time. You can create space for those bad feelings that you can't get out of. You can create space. You know? You can make that for yourself to be in every waking moment. Okay. Um, today on the podcast is the wonderful Lily Marston. Uh, I met Lily through Clever, obviously Clever TV, which is a YouTube, uh, network that, um, it's, it's, uh, what is it? What is it? Pop culture and, and stuff like that is what it's known for. Big news channel, pop culture news and stuff like that. Um, I fell in there because I got hired to be a host for a show that is now defunct called Totally Clever, which turned into like a man on the street show. And it was a whole weird job because I was like never a pop culture person, but I wound up there just through, you know, gigs, media, I don't know, LA. And uh, actually it was, I think it was Lisa Schwartz who recommended for that me for that that job. And then I, and then I got hired there for a bit and met Tracy Stomp, uh, who's also going to be on this podcast later. And Blah, 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 blah. I worked there on and off. I still work there on and off. And and they have this one part of Clever that's more like lifestyle. And if there's one person that you'd come to that was really like a driving force making that happen, I, I really, in my estimation and understanding and seeing it, it would be Lily Marston. Lil's, when I met her, was still an intern, I believe. We discussed it on the podcast. And... um Lil's uh, would, you know, produce videos, edit videos... And there was this little channel, Clever Style, that was had barely any viewers relative to the rest of the stuff, and they weren't really doing anything with it, and they didn't, they you know, were making lifestyle things, and ugh, one thing led to another, and uh, Lil's uh, filled in and did episode of Beauty Break, and the rest is history. Uh, she's so funny and real and um, relatable and just competent as fuck like the she would edit the stuff herself she'd just get it done and that that is uh to me very inspiring something that i i struggle with a lot of my life is just getting it done you know and uh well we go into it more in depth uh, in the podcast because the way this ended up going was i i i you know want to talk to people about how they how they do the things they do in their life lils talks about her um suffering with anxiety a little bit and how she works with that and how she worked with uh graduating and moving out into the world and 
it's all really wonderful. Um, and I and I want to make it like really clear. I I do later. I do. I'm going to repeat myself to this podcast. But what she accomplished at Clever in building Clever Style into this big channel is not because she had a big like big companies spend money to try to do what she did and can't do it. She really has something. Uh, and I try to steal some of that information about what that thing is, how she looks at the world, how she approaches her work, how she moves through it, how she moves through it with her brain and her hands and her heart, you know? Um, the same thing, I guess, I want to know from everybody. And it's just wonderful. You know, it splinters off into a lot of stuff, actually. We end up talking about ancient aliens and uh, politics uh, and, you know, the, the adherence people feel to ancient texts and uh, the confusion we both seem to feel around that whether those texts are biblicals biblicals bibles or constitutions or what have you we get a little bit uh snotty at times about some of the well i do i do about you know establishment government stuff but hey that's me okay that's who i'm gonna be um anyway this is a long ass preamble i'm probably gonna do these like this more often um so I hope you like them. Uh, more practical little tidbits in the in the big intros and whatnot. Uh, all right. I love Lily Marston. She's amazing. And uh, you are all amazing. Please, uh, you know, if you enjoy this, check out the Patreon. I mean, if you're already this far in, you, you may be digging it. If you listen to me ramble for 20 minutes uh, before getting into the Lily Marston part. Patreon.com slash my good bad brain. That stuff really matters to me. And if you're already on there, uh, uh, I'm going to be starting the uh, rewards and whatnot coming uh, this week, I guess, because the month is here. So just little stuff, little this kind of thing, me being solo. Uh, there's a one of them I'll, you know, draw you picture the uh, a la the way I'm doing everybody else's pictures on the on the cover you get a little good bad portrait um and uh you know some po- I'm gonna put poems up if you like the poems and things when I use my brain and heart for that nonsense yeah check it out uh the support means a lot and you know what if you can just leave reviews I know that everybody of the podcast says it but god damn it makes a difference it makes a difference sure in the ratings and getting people to go oh this has five oh maybe I'll try it out but also it makes a difference to me it just fucking feels so nice I might even force y'all to sit through some of the nice you know things that people write because they're so wonderful and so kind anyway I think we're really doing something here uh that's enough of me doing this and now enjoy the next whatever two hours of me and Lil's doing the same thing all right thank you i love you Be- bye okay here we go into it my good bad brain bye i talked to her questions about for like two and a half hours for the documentary thing yeah that's cool yeah it's weird it's nice how are you great how are you Fine. i'm enjoying your comfortable couch i love this couch it's nice as i mean i sleep on this couch as much as I sleep in my bed. So I'm probably like sitting on your like sweat juices. But. Yeah. Well, whatever. Actually, yeah, it is weird. Uh, a lot of, I think, our body mass, I guess we burn off in, as gas. What? Did you know that? <laughs> Not where like, I thought you were going. I no. was going to be like, actually, like, I know we're talking about mental health and yeah. stuff that I actually sweat a lot when I sleep sometimes. Well, mental health is physical health is like a big thing for me <laughs> because like, like my good, bad brain. So I call it is like our sense of self is just a bunch of thoughts and, and things that are all produced by chemicals and electrical signals and these physical concepts inside of a physical object 
So body, so the idea that we separate like neck and shoulder pain or the sweating thing we're going to get into or your stomach health or whatever, we separate that from mental health. Like, you know, like most of your serotonin or dopamine or whatever is uh, made by bacteria in your gut. So if you Is that have, why food makes you really happy? Well, I think... I think food makes you happy for a lot of reasons. The opposite. Yes. (laughs) Or the opposite. But I mean, I do think this is exactly right. Like I remember I worked at like a health food store when I was a kid and we don't, they'd always be like food is medicine. And we'd talk about that. Like it's true. Like we don't think about food affecting our, our mental health, our mood or stuff like that. But, um, like the one I was getting at is gut bacteria, your flora and fauna. If you have healthy gut bacteria, that's who manufactures a lot of the serotonin, the stuff that makes you feel happy or not. So sometimes people who are really depressed, uh, it's like because they have a terrible gut illness or they have terrible gut like fauna and so they're not producing enough serotonin to the brain. Or even uh, there's a lot of study about depression um, as an inflammatory disease. People are saying like sometimes people have terrible chronic inflammation problems or they're eating things they're allergic to or whatever. And that inflammation, when they literally started treating depression with some ibuprofen, Mm -hmm. like just an anti-inflammatory drug, like you can get over the counter, right? Usually if they're muscle pain and people like stop being depressed. And when you think about food, food inflammates you. If you eat something you're allergic to or sugar and carbohydrates. It's funny. We we're actually just talking about this. Who was I with that? Um, my hairdresser that um, sometimes that she was saying that she thinks it's sodium mm-hmm. that I haven't really been eating as much sodium mm-hmm. the last like week. Yeah. And also just I not what we were talking about, but I also haven't been drinking quite as much soda. Yeah. And I noticed that my like jawline can be either like I'll wake up after drinking or Completely. eating. Same with alcohol too. That I'll wake up and it's kind of swollen and it just like feels more like double chin esque. But yeah. then like I won't or I like won't eat as much one day and I wake up the next day and it's like, oh, there's a jawline there. Yeah, that makes that's what happens. Well, okay, because salt. When you just feel gross too, which would yes. make you depressed. So I understand that. Well, but. alcohol is just sugar. Like it, it, your body processes it the same as sugar, which is why you can kind of feel like you have a hangover from just eating a fuck ton of carbs, and also why like that's why. Um, when you get really super duper drunk, if you pass out, sometimes you like wake up at four in the morning, have a lot of energy and be hungry. It's because your body's broken it down into sugar and then all the energy from the sugar boost hits your system and so you wake up that in the middle really of the night. That doesn't really happen to me. Hmm? That doesn't really happen to me. <laughs> it doesn't happen to you? No, I that's feel so like my body doesn't break down the alcohol and that's well, my problem. Uh, drink, I have um, major alcohol issues though. No, but you drink beer mostly, right? Because I will get violently ill if I yes. drink anything else. Like two shots and I'm throwing up every 20 minutes for... I was going to say five hours, but it's more like 10. I have a feeling it's connected to that because I think beer is close, closer to a food product because it's got other carbs and stuff in it. Hard alcohol is, I think, the one more that you pass out and then it pr- breaks yeah. down to sugar and then you... Well, and that's... I also feel like I used to... I mean, I could kind of chalk it up to beer is okay because it's like the least amount. So it's mm-hmm. not as like intense hitting my system all at once. Yeah, that makes sense. That totally makes sense. Plus you're processing it a little bit with some other quote unquote food. Exactly. Like it, it comes with its own bready carbs. That makes sense. I, I uh, oh, so we're going to say inf- inflammation. So the thing, A, salt is like, acts as like a, a little electrical bridge. It kind of like does something where with hydration, with water. So the salt literally holds on to extra water in your body, which is part of the reason that like, so your cells are more inflated and you have more like double chandra feelings or whatever. Also, this is the easiest way I vi- visualized it was carbohydrate. It's carbon with water on it that if you eat a carb, like a carb, a carbohydrate is basically like, every carbon atom breaks down and then grabs into four water atoms. So you literally like inflate, swell up, you yeah. swell up and hold on to it, 
which I just be, being able to visualize that was so interesting. There's all this weird stuff though with body um, mechanics. Like you can use that actually because sh- the sugar, the carbohydrate water thing, and also just sugar and how it spikes your insulin. Another thing that affects your mood intensely is and makes you like fall asleep. Like later you'll have like this counteraction yeah, yeah. In your insulin. Like bodybuilders, like if you have a lot of muscle mass, carbs work differently because carbs will be shuttling and working their ass off to fuel your muscles. So it, they literally, like if you have a, a big muscle mass to like fat ratio in your body when you eat carbs, like they'll just go to fill your muscles up with water and, and stuff. And if you can goose it a little bit, you can actually like sort of pull your subcutaneous water out of your skin and into your muscles so the muscles get big and your skin gets thin that's one of the bodybuilders do this you trick you ask me at subcutaneous I know it's crazy <laughs> I just think it's I just think the body's so fascinating how malleable it is. it is literally based on the things you eat and they change well that's even my mom um, and her husband they first told me they were like that they were <laughs> they were practicing a vegan diet and mm-hmm. I was like I don't believe that for two seconds. Right. And she's like, well, I mean, we eat chicken once a week and then we eat fish <laughs> once a week. So I was like, oh, so you're not vegan at all? Not at <laughs> like all. Opposite day. And like just butter. Yeah, right. But I guess they did cut out most dairy, like I think all dairy, mm-hmm. uh, most sugar, all sugar even maybe. I don't know. But regardless, my mom is not thrilled because Ken has lost like over 20 pounds hmm. and it's been two weeks. He lost eight pounds the first week. That's amazing. Like, How do you lose more than a pound a day? Yeah. Uh, And now she's lost like two pounds and he's lost like over 20. And she's like, I don't understand. Why is he getting affected so much differently? I'd be very curious to know what they're actually eating. But also, what was your sweating thing? Oh, just that I think it comes from um, anxiety. But that so many times, most consistently, I wake up at like 8 a.m. on the dot, which Mm -hmm. I know is like late for most people. No, that's... Is that really? That's okay, really for that me. That makes me feel better. For like Jocelyn and Aaron, I feel like they wake up early. I know. People like... I just been... don't... I can't function. I much. I can function later in the day. Yeah. And that's actually kind of a lie too. I go to sleep pretty early. But um, anyway, they all wake up kind of almost in a panic. Yeah. Um, and not like over anything. I don't know if sometimes I feel like it's subconsciously because I have a work video scheduled for 8 a.m. It's just a low so level So it's like, oh, is everything okay? Did I say something that offends someone? Mm. But... Does that bother you? I don't... I think it might more than it more subconsciously than it actually does or it's when, like when, it's something's yeah. wrong with the video I don't know I don't know but um, that I'll yeah. wake up even before that though and will at like five in the morning sometimes drenched in sweat but like huh. nothing's really on my mind like actually I like that I'm like very consciously thinking about you have nightmares do you, do you remember having nightmares I never remember my dreams so that's one of yeah, my theories that is interesting that could be I mean, it sounds like a lot of anxiety. Well, you have an interesting journey, even in the time I've known you. I feel like oh, that, that that would be... Well, you know, it's weird. I mean, I've known you now a while, four or five years. I know, when did Totally Clever start? <sighs> I have no idea. Good times. But when I was I actually Totally just, Clever... I just downloaded that clip. You did? And it's like Tracy introducing it. She's like, we're going to talk to celebrities and go on red carpets, blah, blah. And then you have your snarky line. And you're like, uh, like every other entertainment show out there. Oh, my and God. And then um, Tracy's like, yeah, but like we're aware of it. So it makes it more fun. <laughs> it's great. It's on like what a, a movie set. What a good idea for that show. Well, I, that's like, I mean, that's that was so funny, man. There's just the evolution of that thing and whatever clever is and stuff. If you guys don't know, Jarrett used to be on a show called Totally Clever that took on very many identities. Very but when did many. that start? Like 2013? I'm so 14? bad at time. I have no sense of time. Probably but 2014. It, was. it like surprised me how long ago it was. I think four years? Yeah. Yeah, that sounds right. 
But when when that was happening, you were mostly editing stuff still and producing things. Well, so I started as an intern was producing, but I was working on all the ad campaigns, which made me kind of want to jump off bridge. But it was a lot of like the ad campaigns were very like forced and very branded. So it was Mm -hmm. like, well, we aren't getting that many views, so we kind of have to do it. And then I would be the one producing it. So it wasn't anything I actually really like liked that I was making. It was just like, I guess this works and it shows the brand and the yeah but um and then like, what were some of those videos it was the show was called tutorial tuesday and that was like beauty break before it turned into beauty break yeah and it was like giving celebrity makeup tutorials and megan was doing them that's how i met megan we would go oh. to their apartments and film because she was a beauty guru and that was like the beauty gurus were in their heyday and yes i remember that. that was wild this was so i was producing this show and then I, it got bought a few times so we kept doing it but like no one was really watching it yeah and then eventually they moved it to clever style which was like dead it had been on clever tv right and had like no subscribers and they were like maybe it'll do better on the style channel mm-hmm. and i was like thank you <laughs> and then at that point i was like well no one's watching it like i'll just kind of screw around and see if i can make something that it at least will make my job more enjoyable because right. like why would you want to make something that you don't like mm-hmm. so then it stopped being about like we know everything about but, style but a little pause on that that is actually very profound what you just said but I don't think people really realize that like when they can't figure out like what to do with their lives like what to make or what like, to do start with what you're actually interested in literally do that <laughs> literally ma- it, make the thing you wish existed well and that's what I always say is that everyone goes what are your goals what are your dreams and I'm like honestly I don't really think about that on a daily basis right. I just kind of like try as I try to do my best at everything that I'm doing so yes. it's like even if you're not enjoying it you're really not going to enjoy it if then you have a shitty outcome why do you do that try your best because it could lead to another opportunity where you can try your best at something you do enjoy but also i think there's so many jobs out there that you don't even know exist yeah so it's like i was in a job that was like kind of what i wanted to do so it's like if i didn't really have any supervision i could kind of make it into something Mm -hmm. that i and i didn't really know what i wanted to do but it wasn't that Mm -hmm. so i was like let's change it a little right and then i've always really enjoyed editing but when i got hired there they definitely weren't like lily's gonna be an editor it was our post department was like very separate yeah and I would like give notes on edits, but it was always really obnoxious for me because not that anything was necessarily wrong with the editors, but it was like, if I'm going to give notes that are like, cut this three seconds, cut this four seconds, cut the music here, do this. Yeah. If it's like very basic things, I would much rather just go in rather than have to watch, write down all the time codes, then like watch it again to make sure they did it and like yeah. understood what I was saying. If I could go do it myself in 10 minutes, that was going to be easier. Yes. So I started yes, editing. Another profound lesson there. Here, This is probably, I can see how this is going to shape up while we keep talking <laughs> just for a, for a second here. I don't know. I don't even know if you know, but I'm I, uh, who you are. <laughs> I feel I like. Don't. <laughs> uh, nobody does. But what you have done. Okay. Let me just say this. When I first started working at Clever, I was also in a very like this time of my face I still am in where I don't know what the fuck I'm doing ever whatever I randomly got this job at this channel like as a host but I came in there with a very much of like having got a gig there not building myself it was just like all right I'm just talent here I don't know whatever and everybody gets their spot in like in production like you see who they are and I met you and you were just like an editor producer kind of then Mm -hmm. like intern and to be at a company in that position 
I don't think people understand what, first of all, like any creative company, the leap from the business side or administrative side or like the working engine part of it over to the creative side is usually an uncrossable divide. Like I have a friend, Jason actually, who's on this podcast, who's doing an amazing job of starting to bridge that gap, worked in, went to school for music, worked in licensing for music, always wanted to be a musician and getting the from within to convince the people that you are actually a creative voice as well and really good at it and should be listened to and then not just that but then to prove it by like being incredibly successful you took a channel that had far less than a million subscribers like 50,000 or something and you built it to what 2.7 million now in three years three four years well that's I was even because I've been working on this 10 year documentary situation it was so we started doing it and Megan was still like the main host and then I would like be there would be occasionally a topic that I'd be like, well, it'd be good if two people were in it. So like mm-hmm. her and Jocelyn would both be in it. Yeah. Or also Megan got her nose done. Oh yeah. So she I remember was gone that. for Those like a month. Amazing. So because she was gone, it was like, well, it was funnier if we did two people. How about me and Joss try it? Yeah. And it was always Jocelyn from day one was always like, yeah. you're a star. You need to be on camera. Yes, and I was Joss like, is amazing. And I've never wanted to host celebrity news. So mm-hmm. that was never something yeah. I was into. So this was like the first opportunity to even really do something on air that was at least, I mean, what we were doing wasn't exactly what I was like passionate about. But it was yeah. like trying celebrity beauty secrets, but getting to do that, then it was like all the comments would be like, Oh, who's that? And yeah. then it would give me the confidence to do yeah. it again. Cause well, otherwise I never plan on doing it. Okay. We're definitely going to get back into that because when I, so, so you did this amazing thing. That's very hard to do. It's a huge accomplishment to build any channel past a million subscribers. Yes, one could argue that it's a company, but I don't think people realize that it at was you. At the time, you. no one was. So yeah. at the time, I was you were literally. Editing, you were making it. I was you uploading. Were creating the voice. I was making the thumbnails. I was yeah. titling them. I was. So really not very different. That, were you getting paid at that time? Were you an employee finally at least? I yeah. know. I know. I saw the look on your face. Not, I don't mean like, <laughs> were you rich then? <laughs> I, I was mean, like, like, I was getting paid uh, yeah. as so, a producer. So one could not argue. as an editor and graphic designer sure. and content manager. But I'm. I'm just trying to point out that you basically created, you did everything a normal quote unquote YouTuber alone in their bedroom would have had to do pretty much. I, and I would say I had a couple more resources in terms of like, no, I didn't have to buy all the cameras we were using. That was all there. There was a sound person, but not at first, honestly, at at first it was like one of the camera people would do it and never sounded good. The camera people, I think at one point we only had one for three cameras and then eventually it started randomly doing well. And that was when everyone was like, Wait, what do you mean it got okay. 100,000 views? Yes, so this is what I'm saying. People, giant companies with millions of dollars behind it putting teams together to make stuff can't create channels that have two something million subscribers in a few years. So you were able to cross an impossible divide from businessy, administrative to creative and then create a wildly successful channel that you were at the heart of, like within a corporate structure. I honestly... The only way it all happened and it wouldn't have had they been a little more like they had a very like loose management style to sure. begin with. And they already trusted me because I'd hey, been any there. Managers as in, listening like, hey, loosen yeah, up. Let no, people do their thing. So I had started as an intern. So I'd known them now like a year and mm-hmm. a half probably. So they trusted me. And I was always like helping Dana and Jocelyn do everything creatively for the celebrity news yeah. side. And I would like occasionally help edit and I'd occasionally be like, oh, I can make that in Photoshop really fast. But then it came to this. And the only reason they really kept the show going for as long as they did was because a couple people, but like, I think it was like Covergirl, Sally Hansen, a couple of companies did buy into it. 
And it was like, it made enough money during those deals that mm -hmm. they would keep it on for a little longer. Yeah. But there was a period of time that literally no one was paying attention to what I was doing. Yeah. So it wasn't like they let me, it was just kind of like, I, no one really asked sure. and I just did it and then I was not costing any money. Turn that a little bit, We're talking to the front, yeah, there you oh. go. Um, and since it wasn't costing any money, cause I was d doing, aside from the camera person yeah. and sound person, if we use them. Right. It, was no right. cost so they so, were like okay lily whatever do it <laughs> you did this amazing thing that's very hard people try to do it all the time people don't succeed at it and i feel like your demeanor in general is like so no big deal in general about stuff that sometimes i feel like you don't even register what a big deal that is and what an accomplishment that is and so i feel like what i'm going to keep doing is pausing you when you say certain things and going like so this is another aspect of how to be successful <laughs> that this person that, does no, that I, people don't. I feel like a lot of it comes down to that a lot of people probably could do it if they were in the right situation. I just had a really lucky. I mean, I think lucky, that's very I think good luck to say. is preparation and opportunity yep. together. Yep. So, like, yeah, I do know how to edit and I like do feel like I have good storytelling slash sure. people skills. So, I was able to do that kind of stuff. But I think it was that a girl that I knew from high school worked at Clever in the very beginning and that was how I got the internship mm -hmm. and it was because I didn't have anything else to do because I just graduated college. Right. And then once I started, I was like, okay, sure. I kind of became friends with Dana and Jocelyn and really started working with yeah. them a lot and then it just was like opportunities yeah. that like I didn't necessarily make for myself but like sure. I was ready when they came. That's true. I guess that's good. that's actually nice of you to say because <laughs> I, I didn't mean to be going down this thing necessarily because I truly don't believe I think we all learn one of the hard lessons to learn in America is that meritocracy doesn't exist is that like it is true that just because you're good and do good work doesn't mean you're gonna get ahead on your merits yeah. but we're con we're told that it exists and which is a toxic thing because then you get people in positions of power who are clearly awful and we all just kind of have an innate like well he must be good he must deserve to be there well and that's I think that happens to a lot of people that are just like they graduate kind of from like seniority and mm -hmm. not from doing something. Right, right, right. Yes, which is terrible. Which I think there's a lot of like high up people and companies like the, the SVP kind of situation oh, where they're not even really doing anything anymore, but they're making decisions about something that they have not been. The oddity, I mean, I didn't go to college. I've never really entered into that corporate normal world at all. I didn't learn anything yeah. in college. But from <laughs> observing it, right? And we've observed it very closely in this sort of VC funding startup kind of world adjacent that YouTube and new media has been over, you know, watching it grow. Like the, the tendency to fail upwards is astonishing to yeah. me. It's like, well, they had a job pretty like this at another company and not a lot of people have that. So why don't we just like push them up another, you know, it's like that happens constantly. Well, and then I think of also, I've had a, this conversation a few times lately that a lot of people in like marketing or and not, I'm not talking about def the company I work for even this was for someone else's situation, but mm -hmm. that like a marketing situation that it's a bunch of of usually old white dudes sitting in a room Dude, that yeah. think they know everything and I'm like how could like a 50 year old white guy know what would be best marketed to like a young girl uh, like millennial like how does that Completely. make any sense because at the end of the day yeah maybe they like went to a really good school and got a marketing degree but at the time YouTube didn't even exist and the internet wasn't really as prominent as right, it is now right. and it's like they couldn't have possibly learned the stuff that other people like I think millennials now will start to be so much more qualified for jobs because you just innately know so much about technology yeah. that like 
someone awesome ask you to do something and you wouldn't even think twice but if you ask someone yeah. that was 50 they literally wouldn't know what you're talking about i think that's about. definitely true i also think i wonder if millennials because of how they were like are better adapted to learn new things because they were you know i teach myself new things all the time yeah that's really cool <laughs> wait okay so hold the fuck on we're turning into this weird like Dow of Lily thing. I know now. this wasn't the point of this. We can no, get this away is from. really good because I mean, there's it's no okay. point to any of these, but like <laughs> this, you know, it's a self helpy ish kind of podcast because I'm trying to like one of the big things I want to do when I started was bring people on who do amazing things. I'm lucky to be surrounded by a lot of brilliant and successful and sort of like iconoclastic people, like very unique people. And I just want to steal their secrets. I want to like know why they are how they are. Well, but, I think one big thing though is also that no matter how successful you are or if you like other people might think you're doing good or well sorry school um see that's annoying i don't <laughs> mind that i don't mind that but like i think it's weird that people would mind that yeah because when you say those words i know what you mean yeah that means you've effectively communicated exactly and what is it about you the people who go like it's not good it's well what well and like who decided that that's dumb yeah it's <laughs> it's so who says the word well like i i'm doing it, well liter- no literally <laughs> I do say that, but I but I also say I'm doing good. You know what I mean? Yeah. And also the idea that I'm doing good is actually like even philosophically much deeper and more interesting. If you say I'm doing well, the idea is it's an adverb and you're saying like the way you are doing is well. So, okay, so you're doing great. But if you say I'm doing good, like... That literally means you're doing the noun of good. I'm out in the world doing good. Oh, that's not usually what I mean when that I say is not it, what, but. That, but this is what I'm saying. I think I think there's odd little funny tricks of yeah. language and metaphor that we're not conscious of that have end up end up having these accidentally profound things to them. And one of them is that if if I, if somebody so somebody says doing I'm doing good and someone else goes um, it's actually well I'm doing well. Oh okay. First of all, what are you you trying to help me now? You're just trying to police my language to have a little bit of power token or something like that. And I'm stupid. Well, okay. Well, you're over there policing me. I'm out here doing good. Okay. I'm trying to do good in the world. Good for myself. Good for other people. And if you're doing good, it's moving forward into more good. And Preach. I just think it's ironic. You know what I mean? It's ironic like it. that only assholes would be like, don't do good. Do well. Anyway. <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> this is what I got. From I liked it. So, so, so far, these are my Dows of Lily things. One, um, any job you get, work as hard as you can at it. Like, just for the sake of it. And you had it from a, an incentive base kind of thing. You were saying, because you don't know, maybe you'll get a chance to get closer. But so far, but I'm going to not even worry about that part. Do whatever you're doing. Do the best you can do at it. You also said um, you're you're humble. So despite the fact that you uh, succeeded and worked very fucking hard at it, I've seen you you work crazy hours, crazy weeks. Also, the first answer you go is, well, I also had a lot of luck and there was a lot of like fortunate things going on around me. So that too, understanding yourself in the context of a greater whole, very profound, very evolved thinking. Um, and what was the first one you were talking about? Oh, if you... Uh, if you aren't sure what to make, if you want to make something, just make what you want to make. Make what you want to see in the world. So, so far, you've got three big fucking, like, profound, like, principles of being Lil's. Well, and this leads me to what I was starting to say before, is that you you might, you're like, oh, you're, you've realized this, blah, blah, but at the end of the day, I feel like I'm still just as, like, oh, what the fuck am I doing than anyone else? Oh, yes. I think that's something a lot of people experience. and I think, I think a lot of our... It's like on Clever specifically a lot of our viewers and followers are very like oh my god they're successful and it was like I don't think necessarily they think it was easy but I think they're like I the amount of emails and messages I get that are like tell it's 
like what do I major in in college or what do I do here how do you get that job they want like the steps and like the secret manual to be like how do I do what you did and yeah. like there absolutely isn't one totally um I don't have one for what I even did like yeah looking back on it I'm like I don't know how the, any of that happened <laughs> yeah yeah I think there's a thing about that like okay people want to plan first anything in entertainment that sorry there's no fucking answer yeah there's but i i've come to think i think that's for everything there's just no fucking answer to you and i know you're taught in schools because you were, we're taught under this authority and there's this idea that there's a way to do everything and that you're going to do this school you're going to do well there, you're going to get into this school and they're going to do all there and they're going to get into and there's like a path i think the lie of the path that maybe 10% of the population extremely generously mm -hmm. the path works for them well and it's and funny because honestly that is really the root of where my, all of I didn't ever have anxiety really growing up yeah. that was not a problem for me and I think a lot of people are also like oh I have anxiety I get like anxious getting anxious occasionally and having anxiety are not the same thing yeah yeah but um what do you, can you distinguish that a little bit that it's like if something like made you slightly uncomfortable right that like would make anyone uncomfortable I wouldn't really chalk that up to anxiety but if it's like something that is more like debilitating and it's like a deeper situation mm -hmm. where it's like you are getting anxious for no reason and you don't yeah. know how to explain it and you it's like physically manifesting yeah and I think now looking back at the time I didn't really know what it was but I think it's that we're taught growing up that there's this plan you go to college and you do this and you get a job and then you're happy yeah and I graduated college and I was like uh wait what do you mean the craziest thing <laughs> like, is when you first when the first time you step outside of the system and it might be after college it might be after high school you don't know i don't know when it's it might be after your first internship mm -hmm. it might be after grad school and then your first internship and then your fellowship whatever eventually there's going to be a day when you step out into the world and you realize everyone is just screaming running around yep. naked with no fucking yep. idea what's going on yep and we're just like taking these horrible monkey brains and trying to draw some sense on top of it and well I, I think that's one yeah. thing that you need to stop feeding kids this lie that everything's like super like you do this and you check this box and then you're right. good to go and I'm like Completely. no because then when you get there you like can't handle it and I'm like yeah. oh my god uh, is this gonna be the rest of my life and at the time I was like interning at Clever for free so I was commuting to Hollywood three days a week driving in like three hours of traffic a day at least yeah and then I was working in a burger place three days a week at home as like a hostess and then one day off yeah and literally I would be like oh my god am I just gonna be working and miserable for the rest of yeah. my life and I genuinely genuinely thought that like yeah, I was fuck. like Call, and I think it was that I had so much fun in college and it was such like a carefree like bubble distraction mm -hmm. and on the other hand it like taught me so much I met so many people and I think it really socially shaped me yeah but then I like leave and I'm like oh the real world like you don't go drinking every day and you mm -hmm. do have like responsibilities and it's not fun yeah. and you don't have all your all of your friends like readily available I like couldn't handle it I literally just break down so then wow. went to the doctor and was like I just felt awful all the time like palm sweating shaky like just terrible wow. and then I took medicine for a little bit what can you tell what you took I don't remember it they, was like, for anxiety yeah it was like a sedative of some kind like a xanax -y kind of thing no no, no. I, I, she gave me xanax but it was like a the like that's like for the minor fix and or not minor Ativan? fix that's like what you take when you're actually like stressed but it's like for long-term change it's more Got like it. and it wasn't an antidepressant but it was like an anti 
That's what I take. I no, I, I did Prozac at one point, and okay. then there was another. They like bump you around to a few to like see what works for you. Sure. Did you find some that were bad and some that were good for you? Honestly, I don't think I ever really noticed any of them helping. Interesting. Xanax would help because it would at least calm me down for the minute to yeah. like figure out why I, I was freaking you, out. That's interesting. I've taken Xanax. Um, I try a lot of the stuff that I tried. I would try. I tried initially with no prescription, and like my dad takes a lot of stuff, and I was having a horrible like. They could see how fucking insane I was going. Yeah. I had to do the breakup but some other stuff and my dad gave me half uh, Xanax one time and I I was definitely like I'm dying I'm dying I'm dying I'm dying I took this pill like, and then oh, I was like um, I'm not dying okay, I'm, I'm okay. not dying but I was shocked like since then I, I had taken it a couple more times for anxiety and realized that for me it felt like being buzzed like I'd had a beer or two and I was like I don't I was, and I would go I can't believe people just use this in their daily lives and, uh, and and that was the first I started to understand oh everyone's brain is different and that for some people the same way Adderall gets some people super speedy and like they're they're you know something like that and have real cokey responses to it when I take it it actually calms me down it actually focuses me I feel normal and you just realize oh everyone's brain is different so if Xanax hits me and it feels like I drank a few beers then that's probably not for me yeah that, that's that probably hit, not yeah. the solution you need exactly that's, if I take it I've had a situation where I was super stressed took it and then it almost had like a borderline Adderall effect because it like allowed my brain to like quiet down and really yeah. focus on what was going on rather than like a bunch of not important fake things to, that I was anxious about. Yes. I think that's actually an interesting thing to think about too. Uh, I was diagnosed with depression and stuff like that, but learning a little bit more about my ADD, which, you know, I talk about it a lot. It shows up on this podcast a lot, but I just think it's interesting it's different understanding our brains and let's take it even out of like um, we're using this literal chemicals and mental diagnoses kind of things as a thing but it's a metaphor for your whole body and understanding how yours is different from other people and whatever a, a one problem can manifest as many different things like earlier we we're talking about like depression sometimes it's just a, a gut disorder or, or inflammation disorder like for me depressive symptoms all came out of ADD ones where it just was like I was so you get this emotional hyper arousal they call it ADD and so you're just so fucking overwhelmed constantly it kind of manifests as anxiety the same way or, or your depression. body just like shuts down yeah but trying to figure out the mechanism that causes your symptom like we might have the same I'm so fucking overwhelmed and, and just freeze up kind but of reaction but you can reaction. treat them differently exactly yeah. and yours might be because of a mechanism that Xanax helps mine might be because of a mechanism that Adderall helps. I think most people have a, a mechanism just in their body that exercise and and uh, drinking a lot of water will help it no matter what, no matter who you are. Yeah. But sort of like starting to understand your body. Actually, one of those I, that um the body worker people I showed on Instagram, the move mm-hmm. the move you people. One thing they say that I actually really like, which Instagram has been. Like I just like d- adjusted my posture. Right. After just you hearing like, it. Oh, shit. Well, that's what that's why I think it's good to follow those people on Instagram. We're talking about. Well, like, and I we're talking time. about how we have neck and and internal like and, full body problems. Yeah. But he was giving me some advice and some people follows that like give you some exercises to prevent it yeah, because I've been doing a lot of punching normal life just everybody at your phones at your computers and your cars we're all doing it and your body starts hurt but just Instagram adding them to your feed you see them all the time you're like, reminded reminds of them. You, yeah. it reminds you and you start seeing the little things that help uh, but they say a thing in there that I think is really profound because I've had body problems from sports and things too and just terrible posture and stuff my whole life 
you they say uh, no one's gonna give something like no one's gonna give a shit as much about you as you no one's gonna care about fixing your body as much as you and no one's gonna know it as well as you and like we say it on here on this I like to say on this podcast everyone's an authority on their own experience you're also the one who's gonna know your body the best and give a shit the most that doesn't mean don't see experts go see experts who are smart and can add information but if you really wanna fix anything or improve yourself or take yourself just out of pain or out of anxiety or out of focus problems or whatever like the person who's going to care the most is you and it's going to be on you to really investigate what are the roots of these and how to fix them and that's i think a lot of my i don't think i know that a lot of my back issues are diet based slash uh Mm. how much soda i drink and like being dehydrated and that my muscles can get irritated easier because they're already so right. like tense from not being, yeah. yeah. That you need to actually be willing to like commit and like I know that if I was like much better about doing all of that, yeah. I would probably feel better. Well, I, that's why I like this the word practice so much. And we talk about we like do you have to teach yourself. Well, because it's everything's just practicing. Yeah. You're just like even the idea of practice is um, you know repetition and that like. I think practice in our the way we interpret it and feel about it and colloquially use it, it has a sort of sense of pretend. Like practice means it's not game time, it's not championship. Practice has a sense of like, oh, um, definitely, you know, like it's softer. It's not as serious. It's not as real. But then you also like think about when um, you say like the brain is like a muscle that you need to keep exercising. Yeah. That if you don't, then you're not going to be able to do it Exactly. As well, when you actually need to. Well, I, and there's that thing they say: um, practice doesn't make. They say practice doesn't make perfect. Practice makes permanent. And so I think that's really profound too. That even in your practices, you have to be examining what the outcome is consistently and understand it as a, a moving and changing thing. Continue this like reflection on what the result you're getting. Am I in less pain emotionally, physically, whatever? And if not, like starting to move around that practice and trying new things and really like you're just practicing being a human you know like which is so it becomes this weird simultaneous performance and practice constantly you know well then I feel like also just so much changes when you turn around like depends different for different people but when you turn 18 or turn 22 or whatever you move out of your house and Mm -hmm. like you're finally living on your own Mm -hmm. and you are much more independent you have to kind of like relearn like what you care most about and what you actually will make time to do and I think that's been a huge adjustment for me just like becoming an adult is Mm -hmm. like oh my mom's not gonna make the appointment for me oh that's not gonna get done if I don't do it Mm -hmm. oh that is actually something that needs to be done got it dude I fucking have that issue I'm 32 and I'm still like sometimes I'll just be like I'll see candy and just be like I can just buy all this (laughs) all of this candy I can just buy it and eat it right now. You know? I can have ice cream for breakfast. I can do literally anything I want. And I sometimes maniacally do those things. Like just, I, I, it's weird to... Well, and I think that that's the problem yeah. is that once you do have that, you kind of go full force. You're like, oh, crap. Like, no parents? Do whatever yeah, I want. You, I mean, they got to try it out And then you kind of like get to a point where you're like, okay, this is what is actually reasonable. And yeah. then it turns into like, 
I can do whatever I want and not in a like, oh, I can do whatever yeah. I want. Well, the other thing, I think one of the most childlike things I have is uh, I still, I can't put myself to bed. Like if I'm awake, like, you know, like a normal person would go like, well, I need to wake up at uh, 7 a.m. So I'm going to go to bed and get a nice eight hours. It's so rare. So rare. I'm always like, just I'm awake. I'm not going, I'm not going to sleep. I'm fine. I'm good. I'm awake right now. You know? See, I worry about being like, I'm really not a morning person. If I wake up too yeah. early, like I am not, like I feel physically ill. Yeah. That. I will of like I have to wake up at seven. I need to get at least. No, that's really responsible. It's I'm not just even saying. in a responsible way. It's in like a like. But then I almost get anxious because then I think for some reason I'm not going to sleep. And yeah. then in the morning I'm like, oh, is my alarm going to go off? I do think I've given over the years and I've tried to like cultivate this more. I've given my body a lot more like rain over my choices, and so I have to listen to it sometimes. And so like if I exercise more or something like that, it'll force me to go to yeah. bed sooner because it needs to repair itself. And I think like that kind of stuff. I guess that's just getting tired. <laughs> well, that's what I was like. I usually go to sleep and I get tired. But also there's sometimes that um, I know it's not good to take them like all the time, but like sleeping pills on occasion. Yeah. I get it, that. It, it like if you really like because I'll have times that I remember back in high school, I would stay up till three in the morning and like yeah. just like on the Internet. And honestly, a lot of the time I'm such a nerd that I'm like teaching myself something. Yeah. I mean, I got I got to uh and then which you're is just also, like stuck in a hole yeah. and I'm like, "Oh, crap. I have to actually Dude, get that's up." That's actually really bad for us. My my mom uh was talking about the other day, sleep hygiene. They say like your habits around sleep, like staring at screens is so bad cuz it's blue light, which is the the light of the sun and mm-hmm. it tells your brain to stay awake and you're laser beaming it right into your eyes. So your brain is like, "Well, I got to stay awake still." So we are all scrolling right before bed. That's not good. And like just having it near you, so it's the first yeah. thing you try. like being able to go into a dark room maybe read a book not look at any blue light or screens for like 30 minutes before going to bed I mean I don't do that at all I, I was like I don't think I've don't. ever done that yeah exactly but apparently like I mean <laughs> I guess we'll see what it does to our brains in the long run because this it this is whole, weird to um, do you do acupuncture ever uh, yes I acupuncture haven't recently naps yes. Oh, I get oh my so God, yes. it is the weirdest feeling because you're in this kind of like half asleep. It's like, yeah. have you ever had it where you're like sleep talking where you I, like say I, something I, and then someone is with you and yeah. that they'll be like, what? And I then you realize you did it and you're like, yeah. oh, uh, I mean, never mind. Nothing. I don't know. <laughs> I literally think it's this literal, That's a literal like twilight the feeling zone. I get that I'm like in this, like I'm thinking about something, but I don't even realize how I got there or how long I'm thinking about it or why I'm thinking about it. And then suddenly he'll like he'll come back in and I'm like. Yeah. How long has it been? <laughs> I, the, the whole like, I feel world. Like, it's like meditating. Yeah. Like I'm not asleep. I'm awake. Yeah. But you turn it. You like chunk down into a phase where you're like. Kind it's not of an dreaming. Animal. It's very much no. like just thinking. I think of it literally as a twilight zone because the world takes on the feeling of the color at twilight. Like it feels like amber. Like the whole to me the way it manifests is like I go into this zone. I almost remember them like they're. A moonlit amber, like she, like you know, like the the video that plays in my mind mm-hmm. is like has a, a a glow to it that's like toned down a little bit, and it's just so. And then you almost kind of realize it while you're doing it that it's like this is kind of weird. Like yeah. I'm really out of it, and and like I also would say in a good way that it, um, you know, when you like wake up from a dream that you really were enjoying and you want to mm-hmm. go back to sleep and yeah. keep doing it. This is like the only time you can actually kind of do that. Yes. I think the, in those zones, which you do get in a deep meditative state, that get you there. Acupuncture is really wild. I mean, after acupuncture, I always it's, get like 
I've pause. gone in for certain days. Oh, well, I'm out of it for like an hour. I went to like, work I'm and like, everyone's like, are you okay? Yeah. And I'm like, I don't know. I just, yeah. I'm sorry. And I'm there's like, like nap lines all over your face. Yeah. I always think like I, it could be chi going crazy or whatever they say. Even if it's literally just the needles making my nervous system freak out. And I don't be know like, what I got it is, but it's needles. doing something. So amazing. Well, because that's I, the first time we ever did it was for an episode of the show. And mm-hmm. it I went in like not being able to turn my neck all the way both ways. And I left being fine. And Dude, I was like, Okay, I, get your guy. I don't. I was like, some people might doubt this, and that's fine. But yeah. it works for me, so I don't care. Totally. My my girl uh, moved. She she's actually my neighbor. It was a coincidence. You should she's go to my guy. He's great. I will. I because that and is, he has a really cute dog. Oh, that's nice. Keeps mm-hmm. it in the office. It's, it's like a nice little like second therapy that you get. So through. cute, yeah. Um, but I was gonna say, oh, that buzzing, that zone that you get to in, in definitely acupuncture. I think you get a meditation, yoga. I don't surfaces. think I. I feel like I need the acupuncture to be able to get there. No, yeah. I don't know if I could ever learn to meditate. Well, I mean, is you've you've found the thing that can get you there, yeah. which is, and to me, that space is where you can really start to understand the distinction and start uh, the conversation or further in deep ways between like the you, whatever you are and the body that you live around in, because you do get to this weird zone where your consciousness is like, well, weird. I'm kind of, Hey, where am I right now? And you, you know what I mean? Like it does this thing where you start to, I feel like that's one of those places you feel the weird separation between your consciousness and your body. I feel like you're really able to like go into your like, I don't even want to say memories because it's not usually like I'm like reflecting or being nostalgic during it. Right. But that it's like still at the same time, kind of like as if your whole life is like there and you're just like, what do I want to like zone in yeah. on right now? And you get to just like pick it. You know, they say like that whole thing about we only use 20% of our brain or whatever, like Which 80%. blows my mind. And that's why have you seen, um, oh crap, what's it called? Um, uh, when he takes, I always say it's the person who wrote it. It was about Adderall for sure. Hmm. Um, would they take the pill and it makes them Bradley Cooper's in it? Oh, limitless. Yes. 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 That is what I always think about because he like finally takes the thing and he like sees someone's book and like then his brain goes, oh my God, you've seen that book once like 20 years ago and right. then he remembers it. Yeah. Is that really like, is there that much uh, stuff stored in there? I have no idea. But my, my, to me. It's, and also when you hear about the dreams, you have seen everything you've ever seen that are yeah. in your dreams. That trips me out. Not that I remember them that much to actually have that. That you've that, seen but, everything that. So it's like your brain can't make things up. Weird. That is wild. So it's like if you had a dream about some person walking down the street, you have met them sometime before. Well, that's very profound. What you just said too. I think about that a lot, and and I think it's really good for people to remember the thing you just said. You that's fucking actually really interesting and trippy to think that your brain. Damn. Say that again. Your Your brain brain can't can't make up an experience. I mean, I think some, and if it can, then I think there's something like you have a something wrong with you that if people yeah. are like schizophrenic they and they can have these but even there then i wonder if like when people have hallucinations if it is of stuff that they have manifested through different memories yeah because like even in someone you saw in the dream maybe it isn't that you've seen that exact person but you've seen three people that yeah. then got made but it can't extrapolate your brain can't extrapolate like i can see a horse and uh, it's a brown horse but then i can go like i've also seen uh like I think just as long as your brain has seen that uh, a thing it's can like be a different like color it's like you've seen like a spotted dog but a brown horse but then you see a spotted horse in your dream kind yeah of, you can yeah. do that yeah or like have you ever seen um, did you watch Black Mirror yeah the, the one where she like the insurance lady goes and gets everyone's memories to like Mm. It's like there was a car accident outside your building. So she finds out where the accident was, looks around the area and yes, it's like, yes, oh, well, there's a window crocodile. right there. Let me go. That one's crazy. Yeah. 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 And then it, w- it just showed that 
yes you can access your memories but you have so much like there's different perception when yeah, you how you interpreted thing. it yeah that like your memory might not be totally an accurate depiction of what happened right but that's what your brain is holding on to yes yes whoa i just went into a weird zone coming back uh <laughs> so so yeah that you can extrapolate but you can't I think that is really interesting because what that reminds us of is that truly every human being is only only a product of their experiences. Well, and even if you go even a step further, should I say even one more time, that if like you're anxious of something that you've kind of created in your head, but if you think of it like that's making you anxious, it's completely mental because you're letting it make you anxious. Think of someone that maybe if they don't know that whatever you're anxious about, they don't know it exists. And they have this kind of like blind, naive, Mm -hmm. like you can really go internally and be like, okay, well, I can conquer whatever is making me anxious because if it wasn't basically if it never got introduced to you in your head, then you would never even know it was there. Mm hmm. I feel like I just talked in a circle on it. No, 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 yeah, it's really good. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think, yes, because you're the point is that it's like. It's all just your thoughts it's just like, a thing playing you're tricks on you. With. It's like yes. not something that's actually real. Right, which I think is really important because when you, our brain is so good at telling us things are real. I swear we're not high. <laughs> no, we're not. Actually, I'm not high. No, <laughs> this is the point of my fucking podcast is like my podcast. Well, the reason I had to do it is because this is a conversation I yeah. end up having with people. It's like these things where like, we're not high. You don't need to be fucking high to like, life's a trip you know but that thing i think creates the idea remembering that everybody's a product of their experiences and what they've learned and seen i think if we could wrap our heads heads around that in a really deep way it would create a lot more patience for each other oh, for sure and understanding how something is affecting you i might be like that's stupid that yeah. shouldn't make him anxious but that's i think the biggest thing about if you have anxiety and if you have a friend that has anxiety it's yeah. really helpful because i feel like you understand each other yeah I have a friend that has anxiety that she always says that her boyfriend doesn't necessarily understand. And he like says he understands and he verbally like always says he gets it. Yeah. But then when it actually comes down to the time he does, he's like, but nothing's going on. Like, why are you? Right. I don't get it. Yeah. And it's like, you're not supposed to get it. You're just supposed to like let them like just understand. Yes. Yes. That's uh, empathy versus sympathy. Exactly. No one's asking you to like fix it. Just like be aware that it's happening and don't try and make it worse be present yeah i think that's some there's a great cartoon of that of somebody explaining the difference between empathy and sympathy and that sympathy basically uh they use the metaphor and there's a great little cartoon that goes with it but it's very powerful to me i've, I've remembered it a lot i think about it a lot basically it's like you're you're depressed you're about you're down in a hole you're like down in this hole and they say sympathy pops its head in the top of the hole and goes so sorry I'm so sorry you're down there. Yeah. You want me to get you a sandwich? That sucks. And that empathy crawls down in the hall with you and just says, I'm here too. Yep. I get it. And and it's not, that person isn't pulling them out of the hole. No. You're not pulling them out of the but hole. But they're just there if and, you need them to maybe yeah. then help you get out of the hole. Yeah. And it doesn't, and when we say I get down in the hole, that also doesn't mean that they're going, I think this is a problem a lot of people have codependently is something as they think that means like, it would be like if somebody had a broken leg and you're like, oh my God, you have a broken leg? And then you took a rock and smashed yeah, it in your like, leg. You're like, no, I have one too. You know? Oh, like that's not helpful. No, 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 no. Be safe. You can't help anybody with your broken leg. You need to help be strong to yeah. pull people out. Take care of yourself first. Be be well so you can do good. <laughs> there you go. But um, but that that is very p- profound and also beautiful to know that like 
all of our trying, all of our like feeling like this need constantly to do a thing, to strive, that sometimes the most important thing is to not. This is something that's very hard for me because I'm, I'm very with my brain. I'm very about like something's wrong how can I fix it how can I dig out of this hole how can I fucking figure this thing out I have friends who have anxiety or, or like loved ones uh, it's been a lot for me to learn that when they're having episodes and I still struggle with it because I'm like that come on can, we're gonna talk out of this we're gonna do, figure yeah. It. yeah and that like it's actually not even helpful in the moment that what's really helpful is just being there and just saying like it's okay and I love you yeah it's okay you're gonna be okay and, and even maybe not even that maybe that comes across as a lie to them be like it's not gonna be okay and so you just have to be patient and be there with love yeah that's such a beautiful idea that like the tribal instinct is so strong the familial instinct is so strong that just knowing don't even have to be touching just knowing a hand is there if you need it well and that's I feel like there's so many like teens that are very like like secluded and alone and they're like oh no one understands me no one cares but that a lot of the time I think it's also the people not letting someone else in and like accepting that other people might care right I think then it becomes because you also can't go like if someone's going to do that you 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 can't go like you can't force them to accept you in be like this is what's going to be good for you so it does take a lot of patience and and just boundaries yeah just boundaries and knowing who you are and going like all right, well, I'm here if you want something. Yeah. But I'm not going to play this game with you. You know, I'm not going to be part of your funny save you play. You know? Exactly. Yeah, that's huge. But oh, because I also think the, the understanding the sum of experiences thing would help us uh, be better with each other with discussions of morality and politics and things like that. Because I think a moral issue comes up like liberal versus conservative stuff or something. And we tend to go like what the fuck is wrong with you that you don't understand what you're doing is wrong and it's hurting people. And that kind of thing makes sense. It makes sense that you'd have, you'd be passionate about the well-being of other humans and stuff in politics, whatever. But, uh, not taking the moment to go like, this person is literally only the product of their experiences. Like, They've never met somebody different than them. They've never. They, so you like I was. That's I was even saying, what I was saying earlier about that. You can't be anxious about something if you didn't know it exists. Yes. That these people are literally like, well, no, that's that like that's all they've ever been taught. Yeah. So it's like on one hand, you want to be like, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. But then on the other, you're like, I mean, oof, but it just is frustrating also that a lot of people are so close minded on mm-hmm. different sides that. Well, that, that, they aren't that, willing to that they aren't willing to uh, recognize that it is a sum of experiences thing that is making them so close minded. Yes. Well, I think that there's two things of that. One, one thought I had about that is is just I I talked about this Lee Newton a little bit, but like we're not allowed to be wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, if you say you're wrong, that means you're going to get punished or something like that. So if somebody is told that they're wrong, and according to all their experiences, they're not wrong. Then they're like, I don't deserve to be punished. So fuck you. I'm going to double down and not being wrong instead of going like this person's saying I'm wrong. Um, and that would be OK if I was wrong. I'd like to learn something new. Uh, if we made it OK for that and there was space for that, then I think people would be more likely to say, like, well, what do you mean? Because as far as I know, I, I'm right. And I'd hate to be doing something wrong. Please explain to me why it's wrong. But that's not. But we're also in this climate that everyone thinks they're right constantly. Yes. And and you know what? I think bottom line is they are all all they're all right. Like according to their experiences and things and morality, most likely they are, quote unquote, right. Like they're acting in accord with the moral codes that they've yeah. been taught, the things that they've seen. You know, which is like there are there are moral co- codes that like uh, I thought this about the Wall Street crash and shit like that. Like 
when everybody's surprised that like the stock market closes because of the subprime mortgages, because like basically because a bunch of bankers went out and did shady fucking shit, you know, you're like, wait a minute. When do people not do shady shit with well, money? First of all, well, exactly. But, the, but I would, I would suggest the possibility that you literally put them through schools, like colleges, teaching them the morally correct thing to do. The, the core mission of your job as a banker, as an, a business person in the world is the bottom line is the shareholders money is to make as much profit as possible for you. And that's it that's the goal any other thing beyond that and then you you're surprised when the whole thing becomes completely predatory eats itself alive and crashes but you told everybody that being a good boy being a good banker a good account a good person was to follow these principles and if you if we could really understand each other as always in a weird way operating from a sense of good faith morality oh well they told me in the church that if you're gay you go to hell you know like, I don't want people to go to hell. They love people. For that, you me, know? if this is a different tangent, which yeah. I don't know if we need to go on right now. I'm not a religious person at sure. all. The Bible shit about gay people. It's insane. I truly Dude. cannot understand because I'm like, that's fine if that's what you were brought up learning. And you're like, OK, this book taught me this. But how do you not have the common sense or just like more view like bigger view of the world to not like to pull back for a second and be like this book was written when yes. and by like people that like who were they like yes no like well, that's not how okay. you can it literally text on a piece of page, uh, paper is going to like suddenly change the laws for like an entire country I'm like how could you yeah. possibly it's totally fucking insane for a lot of reasons I mean like one thing I think about okay like when thousands of years, let's say we're 2,000 years ago, like survival is a different thing. Keeping humanity exactly. alive is a different situation. And one thing I thought about like when people look at like slavery and just generally like capitalist principles of like that always benefit a, a high class and everybody else is kind of subhuman to them um, up, up to and including today. But even of looking at like hard real slavery and stuff like that, like humanity as as a an organism that wishes to perpetuate itself doesn't need everybody to do well. It just needs some of them to do well enough to keep procreating. And if that means that some of those organisms decided that the rest of the humans are less than humans and actually we're gonna have a better chance of surviving if we, if we treat some of them as less and disposable, our family will survive, great. That doesn't matter to the organism because it just wants to perpetuate itself. And if you are living in a climate where potentially it's true that there's not enough to go around or it's very dangerous and very risky or you could just fall and hit a rock and get a little scratch infection and then and die in a couple weeks, I, I can understand that you would put some fucking mystical rules together and say like, hey, uh, boys don't have sex with boys, make babies because whatever, you know? You can kind of start to understand why they would say, don't eat these kind of animals, don't eat pigs, don't eat shellfish, don't eat these things, because sometimes they're infected, people get sick, and then they die. So we're just going to eat these things that we've had pretty good luck with. You, you can yeah, kind of understand totally. the logic. And then it's like, this is working, so let's do this. Right. And they don't And then fast forward thousands of years. Where evolution and where things have changed. We have antibiotics, yeah. <laughs> and there's enough to go around for fucking everybody. And there's so much fucking space for everybody's weird-ass dreams and things to like express themselves however the fuck they want to be. And you're still reading well, this fucking this book such a random thing to pull in here but have you ever seen ancient aliens 
Uh, I have watched some Ancient Aliens and I love that shit. Okay, so it was like, I haven't seen a ton of it, but I watched the first, they're like long episodes too, yeah. I think. I watched the first couple and the first one was all about, um, I think it was a lot of Egypt and religion and mm-hmm. how there's like theories or it's I'm gonna sound crazy and I don't necessarily believe all of it but there's You're some stuff that it's like the that like how did they build the pyramids right. because all of the bricks were too heavy that and that humans is, couldn't have moved yeah. them and that like there's certain situations and again not saying that this is actually something I believe or actually the case but I do think it's a very interesting point that with religion for example when you're reading stuff about like an angel or like something like very miraculous and like a phenomenon that happens. Mm -hmm. The amount of language that was available to them when that was happening was not what we have now. Right. So the way you were able to explain something happening, it was like, so basically the way the show made it sound was like, say an alien descends out of the sky and also aliens, like not thinking they're like green people. It's like, no, just like other kind of human type organisms because yeah. how would it possibly it could be just us, be us like time Literally, traveling regardless that they like basically come down and then like uh, give something to people to like m- like the math equations and things yeah. they were able to do well listen to this shit i mean think about this like that then maybe it was interpreted as like no it was an angel that well, flew down still, from heaven and you're like well yeah yeah but that's just what you, you call it tools yeah. exactly there's there are tribes still and you can see video of some of it like in the amazon that have never seen people and they discover them and they fucking buzz over in a helicopter you know what i mean and so you go like whoa like how did they explain well, yeah exactly how the fuck would they explain it and and also there's this i heard this guy talk for a while about this kind of stuff he's like one of those egyptologist people and they have there's some people who have theories that like this fucking blows my mind i love this shit but they think that like Potentially, there were much more advanced societies, even as advanced like our and society. And it like, kind of was like an apocalypse, yeah. basically, basically. And then we if, started over. <laughs> if we all died right now in ten thousand years or they something like that, we were ever here. Literally nothing. Yeah. Literally nothing. Well, and that's I literally the got stone. goosebumps. That's why I think it's also interesting because, like, I don't know where the fuck anything came from, and I don't have my own real theories. But like, it's so interesting to hear perspectives like that because I think that people that are so obsessed with this book mm-hmm. that tells them what's right and wrong. And that's at the end of the day, I feel like religion comes down to a lot of it as like a moral code. Yeah. But then so much of the stuff that overly like really radical religious people do is something that you like would obviously not line up with any kind of moral code, regardless of the religion. Right. Yeah. And I think there's, well, that's definitely true. So you're going to like, you're going to totally ignore the fact that it says like, don't kill people. Don't do this. Don't be mean. Don't like all this stuff you're gonna ignore all of that to then listen to the one thing that it says on this page yeah i think that that is definitely insane i was i wanted the thing i was thinking oh because about the thing about the potential well they said like stone structures you would still be able to see a little bit of leftover from so which is why pyramids or like mm-hmm. things like that but like everything else steel rubber everything would be gone and also the point they made was like if comets hit now like if if comets hit the planet flooded everybody we're all living again like we would be less likely to survive than those tribes in the Amazon. Because the tribes in the Amazon are already living off the land. They know all those skills. We've lost all those skills. Yeah. We can't hunt. We can't like run as, you know, like, you know, in the micro. Yeah, like my mom For, just made me buy my earthquake kit. I yeah, have my, right. my like solar charger. <laughs> yeah. And, but, and there's the but things there's, that we would all need to survive. But then like otherwise there's people in the. Yeah. Yeah. And, and to me, I'm like, you, you, you hear that. And then you're like, well, fuck. You're like, Yeah. What if during Egypt times or whatever, like 
those angels. What if on the other side of the world there was just like us? Yep. And the people that were running around in the tribes were like not. What if they're like fucking escalators and, inside the yeah. pyramids? And like the fucking flood, the flood that like you know like every tribe everybody has a flood myth. Well, and that's that was another really interesting thing about ancient aliens is that it brought up a lot of religious references that are throughout so many and different like writings um all the different uh languages and symbols yeah. and stuff hieroglyphics and yeah, stuff. That, yeah that there's like similar ones found on opposite ends of the world yes so it's like how and like everyone is coming up with their religions but there's all these like weird things that connect them all yeah. it's like well then how did you all get the same story well, and how did you all some of those people okay well there's a couple ideas i mean like joseph campbell talks about monomyth stuff and that and like jungian stuff like we all just kind of share some weird similar dreams and archetypes which you know i think is interesting like you know we all kind of have a vision and an association with a spider and with the th- you know animal totems or like i'd like also that. say like i'm sure so I don't I'm not very well versed in hieroglyphics but mm-hmm. that a lot of it were like symbol a lot of them were symbols for yeah, things so right. it's like if it's a drawing of a tree then yeah you're gonna have yeah. a drawing but I think the ones that it, the show was showing yeah were things that right. it was very like strange. how yes. there's no way that someone could have come up with those just completely on coincidence yeah. there, just like the, how the world does not right work. well then but then there is that thing that happens like somebody makes a scientific discovery and like it, someone on the other side of the world completely independent made a similar one around the exact same time to Totally, uh, like there is a weird. I would say that is harder for me to, or um, easier for me to believe yeah. than like having an entire. It wasn't like oh that symbol yeah. kind of looks like that. It was like full on like languages yeah, yeah. and phrases and stuff that were yeah. the same. That is crazy. I mean, I, although even with that stuff, I think it's interesting. It's uh, same thing with Judeo Christian texts or like religious texts. Like so many of the same stories over and over. The same like a son of God and he was killed and he died for the things is like that's the same story as of like Odin basically. You know, like Odin. Like the the god in uh, Norse mythology, the guy who's one eye, he's Thor's dad. He like w- the way his origin story is that he died, was hung on this tree for three days, just like Jesus died, was hung on the cross for three days. They pierced his side with this thing, blah blah. He came back from the dead. It's like the same well, story. So then for stuff like that, it's like. How do you know that? I'm like, hopefully no one gets. I feel like if you're offended, then you shouldn't be watching or listening. This yeah, part. no, it's fine. But um, and if you're offended, like, think about it. Why yeah, is it hurting no, so much? That, like, what scares you about this? If <laughs> investigate, if there's so many similarities that how do we know it's not even similar to like when people tell like folk tales that like get passed down from generations no, exactly. and there's like little variations. But it's, exactly it's the like same. someone hears a story and they're like, OK, how can I apply that to my life and how it like it will fit in there? Yeah. So it's like taking the exact same skeleton of a story and then just applying it to where you need it. And like, if you need to inspire people to do a certain thing, having it be, I think it's also a a political kind of situation. Well, I I think though there's then something to that too, that like there's just humans need to learn the same basic lessons. You know what I mean? Like how to to be nice to each other to, if you do bad things to other people, it hurts them and maybe comes around and hurts you too. Like, and these are common things and there's a, that sort of makes sense then that the human monkey brain would like figure out a same, a similar story. Like this is the best way to get this kind of thing across. Yeah. yeah. And that like, you know, that would just kind of naturally evolve. But that's but what th- always pissed me off about religion. Cause then I feel like it's like all the end goal always seems to be like to be a good person and to like learn this and right. do good. And yeah. then it's like, okay, but your own, it's very circumstantial and yeah. when it's convenient. Well, sometimes. and so not, not being able to understand the met, like, 
understand it as a metaphor to use because the i mean i grew up going to a lot of church presbyterian church and you know we weren't like super religious it was just a weird looking back on it i'm like oh i did go to a bunch of church stuff, did it feel you know? more like just like oh yeah, it's, it's time like to go to church Sunday, like it was a thing you Thursday. did but it wasn't I, I was like, like you a were... thursday group that we'd kind of sing and do some shit too but i felt like it was like a babysitting thing it was like we needed stuff to do you know and uh, but I learned a lot of the stories and I'm really grateful I did because the Bible does form a lot of foundation of Western ideology of itself like uh, how we make up laws and morality and mm-hmm. structure things a lot of patriarchy and stuff a lot of the thing that stuff you can see rooted in these books and how much they've shaped things and so it makes me really you know even the idea of hard work and you know you've got to work hard and that that's more important than being happy and things like that like uh, that's all in those books and being able to understand that I feel like helped me definitely gives me incredible context for understanding our culture. I don't think you can really understand the way a society is shaped without understanding like the religious text that um, underpins the, the majority of the people in yeah. it. And, uh, but if you do like are willing to accept them and, and depoliticize them for yourself, cause I think people hear Christian a lot and they instantly think it means, you know, whatever, if you can just no, read yeah, those and fucking I hope that books. No one ever thinks that I'm like trying to diss other people. It's more for me that I, I'm specifically talking about that I don't understand when people do turn it into more like they vilify people using religion rather yeah. than just using it for themselves. Yeah, they well, make it about other people. It's I think, and I, I think, think religion should be something that's for yourself if you're going to be. Well, even the figure of fucking Jesus as he is would would be. I mean, he, I love like the idea of Jesus as like the the guy who flipped the tables over in the temple. You know that story. You know there there's this just amazing story about like he came to this temple and they had turned it into a marketplace and these like money lenders are like are like uh, you know working there like or something like that. There's like and he he freaks out. He's like this is fucking the church and you can't do business here and he's just flipping all these tables over and going crazy and the idea and the idea there like. What do, what do we people would hear that story and be like that means if people do money in a church you should flip their tables over and hit them <laughs> they wouldn't be like oh wait so this story is about that the divine presence in humanity is inherently repulsed by commerce and capitalism and coin as value and that as a way to define people and you wouldn't that's a well, fucking that's metaphor everybody get dangerous is that people don't always interpret everything as a metaphor they don't uh, my favorite thing that i've ever watched about religion which this is not like a serious thing but did you watch love can you tell i watched i haven't watched love i haven't watched the, love. there's new scene. i know the one you're talking wait, about wait no not love not love is it what's it about crap there's another one love the is the hit- the Love's hipster, the one that's with the hipster one on the, the east dating. side. Yeah. Not them. Um, crap. It's another Netflix show. And mm, What's it about? Easy? That sounds right. Maybe? I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. It's a show. It's an anthology series. Every episode's about a different... Oh, I don't know that one. It's... Whatever. The episode I watched, um, it's the girl from the movie Patty Cakes. Okay. I don't know that movie either. I think her name's Danielle something. I'm terrible. R- Ryland knows her. I know. Um, whatever she is in an episode and then it's Judy Greer who do you know yeah, she's like great. the friend and everything yeah. but so she's the mom and basically it's mom and dad and they come home they walk in on their daughter who's like 16 or so oh, having sex yeah. and then to like punish her to like get her to see the light they're mm-hmm. like okay as punishment you have to go or she's like 18 so she has to go to church with them every week until college okay so and she's like but I don't believe in that like you're gonna make me go and they're like hmm, should have thought of that first before okay, you were yeah. fucking your boyfriend right. so then she starts going to church and they make her go to Bible study and she is very smart but like uses it all as like people are saying like they'll read metaphors and then she'll try and interpret it like way too literally to like make it like 
oh well she goes home later and she's like um mom i learned a lot of interesting stuff in the bible today Mm -hmm. uh like basically it says like if you're rich then you're probably going to hell and her mom's like well i mean just which is like kind of scary because like we're rich and like so are all of our neighbors Mm -hmm. and the mom's like well i mean there's things that are open for interpretation like it's fine so she just does that with everything and she like starts bringing home homeless people and feeding them and giving away their clothes and being like well mom and dad like we have more so we should be giving it to people who have less that's a very and it's so funny even that is very dark to interpret and then she ends up like writing a check to the church and then the church uses it to like redo the front of the church or something and then she freaks out and she's like you just use like 10 grand to like put in a new like step yeah basically and they're like well but it looks nice and she's like i gave you that to help people and it's yeah. a very just like yeah very stark look on religion yeah, I, like I thought that. it was hilarious. really good what's it called it's called easy i think it's easy i can't believe that's cool remember, but i don't know that show every episode's different but that but yeah, one was that's my favorite shit. i mean i think that when we talk about the fucking constitution stuff and everyone's like can't change the constitution You're like really wait the thing you say that we can't change literally written, is so, called yeah. an amendment yep 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 Yep, mm-hmm. and that's. I don't even want to get into gun control, but we don't. We don't have to. I, I don't just like, just overview though. Yeah, I'm like, which I'll get occasional people that like try and troll me on Twitter, sure. and they're like, blah, blah blah blah, and they like want to have a debate, and I'm like, okay, here's the thing. I am not a politician. I am not a like person that is very knowledgeable about all of the policies i don't know the solution right. i don't claim to have an answer of right. how we're suddenly going to stop shootings if i think we you're made the kind it, of person we should listen to the illness of the society to think like an expert only sorry do, are you familiar with experts throughout history are you familiar are you familiar with the fact that like nine out of the ten doctors didn't think bacteria was real <laughs> you know well, like, I just wash our hands before <laughs> surgery oh listen to this man he's barely even a doctor Oh, Try, yeah! Smoke these cigarettes; you'll feel better. You know. Well, but then also, I think a lot of moral uh, decisions and business decisions are compromised by political things and money completely. and everything else. Oh, completely. But the overall, I'm like, I don't claim to have the answers, and I don't think if you suddenly were like, guns are legal, then there's not going to be any shootings. But I do think that there's certain situations mainly like the more like kid ones where they are going into a school where maybe that kid clearly they're very unstable maybe they wouldn't have gone through with it if the process was more difficult i so all the people being like undeniable right i'm like all the people being like oh you can't take away our guns i'm like no one's trying to take them away but why would you make it so like a 13 year old could mm -hmm. walk into a gun show and buy an assault rifle that's because you're getting between me and god it is a God-given right. Oh my God, right. I literally tweeted That's that. And I right tweeted God-given right, uh, right in quotes and then put LOL after it because I'm like, uh, no, we're humans that brains that made these guns yeah. that like, you don't get to suddenly act like it's a divine power that gave it well, to you. Well, actually it was God who made you and made your brain and gave you the idea to make a gun and, and so God made guns. Do you remember the beginning of Mean Girls and it has like the homeschooled kids? Mm-hmm. She's like, uh, I'm not one of those weird homeschooled yeah. kids. And he goes, and on the third day or yeah. whatever, God, God invented. Yeah. The Remington bolt action rifle. That's how I feel. That's how I picture the people tweeting like yes. really ignorant things about it. No, I think that's I think that's fair. Because that's why my biggest pet peeve with that whole movement is is that so many people are like these kids are trying to take our guns. No one's trying to take away all guns. Literally, that's they said the, that about Obama for eight fucking years, and yeah. that motherfucker and the rest of those fucking Democrats who had the House and the Senate and the White House didn't do fucking anything. Okay, so next time you're telling me Democrats are going to fix some fucking shit, they're neoliberal bullshit with like all their fucking money influence. They don't care. They don't care. They don't care. They're basically Republicans now. They don't fucking care. Anyway, 
we need solutions. No, but here, but getting back to the thing, like, which I think it's scary and kind of important though to be compassionate about the fact that like the people who say this stuff are only the products of their in, in, information. Let us let us just repeat though forever and ever that like that document, this old ass paper that's dictating how we live now was written when you could own a person. Yes. Okay. Yes, literally. By people who owned people. Mm-hmm. And every time you try to tell me, well, it was of the time, it's like, you know, it's like, well, then oh, even I think really? that, honestly, people are like, oh, the gun thing is getting out of control. Are we getting more guns or also it is it just like people have more access to information? Yeah. A kid 20 years ago wouldn't have been able to go online and go, where do I buy a gun? And if they lived in a middle of nowhere town, they wouldn't have any kind of resource to figure that out unless mm-hmm. they were like friends with people like convicts yeah so like, i definitely think the well, way that you're able to like literally look up how to, like genuinely could google how to make a bomb yeah i've done it i was like i haven't because i don't want <laughs> i went when <laughs> i first said BitTorrent, me, i downloaded so much crazy shit just to see if you would come get like well just swatted. to have it just i was like maybe there'll be like a apocalypse one day i'm gonna download this whole big thing about but how I think to make that bombs. has made such a difference that people are like oh video games and movies i'm like no no no, no. no i think it's that now it's just easier so if someone was really pissed off and they think that that's an easy option that they could do and that's yeah but you also have to be we just are so insane and so out of touch with each other and ourselves because the level of disconnection to have to be like, I'm going to shoot people. I mean, I, will, I don't pretend to ever understand how someone would do that, even with the YouTube shooting the other day. Um, reading the articles, I'm like, she was mad about, and I haven't watched any of the videos. I've heard mm, that you it's... Can look, you can tell right away. You're like, there's something going on. Because that's, I'm like, she was mad about the monetization things. Who, say that's true. And that's, I mean, clearly... No, no, that that's probably was the trigger. Like, spawned it, and then she has a lot of underlying issues. There's a lot of underlying but issues. But the, the fact that I... I mean, I would assume that this is because I am a person that is not going to go shoot up anywhere that I don't understand how you could be mad about something like that and then think that the solution or how that's going to change anything to go. And then if you're going to kill yourself, too, why are you bringing other people into it? And why? Like, I want to know that the hurt people, hurt people, healed people, healed people to like, what is your end goal there? Do you think that you're going to like. I think it's There's an afterlife or are these people like I have no hope I just want it to end I think those people are also just a product of their experiences (laughs) and I do think there can be a point where you become I mean I don't know this is just my impulse about humanity and extrapolating from my own experience I think a lot of times we don't know what we're doing I remember going to therapy office finally when I was in some of the darkest times of my life and being really struck by the therapist asking me like um, uh, like, uh, how are you feeling today and and just being thinking about the question for a second and like crying a little bit (laughs) But more uh, like more more like saying like they said how are you how are you feeling, and I was like I don't know, and then I started thinking like I can't feel my feelings, and then I was like I can't even feel my body. That's why that's what you said. How do you feel? And I took a second, and it was so like, weird to go like exactly well, even, yeah. I can't. And so I started to practice then of like trying to feel in my body, going like okay, I'm sitting in this chair, I can feel gravity pressing my flesh into the the handle of the chair, the arm of the chair, and I can feel the weight of my butt in the chair. And oh, there I, I'm here, and it's warm. It's kind of getting too hot in my lower back. You know what I mean? And you would just do these check ins to just start going like oh, I can feel my body. Like to be more present be, about well, you and, being there. Yeah, and just to start to get in touch with what's going on with me because without that inquiry and examination, 
the world is fucking overwhelming. The, the cell phone thing is such a, we're, our, we're all a Petri dish now since the internet. Yeah. Like the amount of information you take in in a single day is probably more than a person took in in a year and probably in medieval times in their whole fucking life. Well, and that's, I even think of like comparison of like what I've learned in college yeah. and like school and then what I've taught myself from the internet mm-hmm. and just like watching other people's yeah. stuff night and day yeah and if you add in like all the metrics now i think metrics are really bad for us but so now you have so many numbers to define your worth and it used to just be money right which is already grotesque and terrible and then you like add into it like what credit scores schools scores social media what are your salary. health scores and then social media and how many new social media things can we add in every day what's your like rating on linkedin and imdb and how many followers do you have and how many of this and, blah, blah, blah. How and many like watches staying do you relevant on all of those yeah. platforms and, and making what sure are you know what everything rates is on your followers yeah. like the more numbers, the more things to see if you're valuable or not. And then I think especially if you're a boy, it kind of there's there's like a weird cultural thing that's added in uh, where unless you're rich or somebody wants to fuck you, you're not even you're not allowed to be happy any other way, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, for sure. Sorry. Damn, we're we're jamming I know. Oh. that like they're just um, that was us checking the time, everybody. Sorry. <laughs> no, <laughs> I was like but, I have to leave at five. Uh, I got here at two thirty. <laughs> but you just you just become you just turn into these. Um, you don't know what's going on with your body. You're very overwhelmed. You're very unhappy. You have no outlet. And the only way with that that you can seize back any sort of power or self-respect is some great act of rage and violence because you're kind of taught as a boy, like, that's one of the few ways that you're allowed to be powerful and feel good is to beat other people and hurt them. You know what one thing that I know that you sent me a few questions to even think about before we're going to that like, and wrap this up. What are some of the things you do to like yeah. feel better on a daily basis? And this isn't something I do a lot, but I did it the other day and it reminded me of why. I like it is um, I did some branded tweet that was like Mm -hmm. two truths and a lie and one of the truths was that one was like oh I was going to pursue a career in graphic design and then the second one was I'm actually pretty good at throwing a football Mm -hmm. I and then the last one was like that I was on a magazine cover or something Mm -hmm. which was the lie the amount of people that responded and were like um you could throw a football <laughs> yeah right and like everyone assumed that mm-hmm. was like a little offended but so then afterwards i insisted that nicole go out with me i was like okay well obviously now i have to film myself throwing a football because yeah. it's like something i'm very passionate about yeah. and i used to i think i used to play with my dad a lot growing mm-hmm. up but that it's such like a mindless just playing catch yeah it's a very mindless activity that you're like getting out and you're doing something but then also you get a lot of like just very small personal satisfaction where it's like if you threw it well or if it's a good catch or something that you're getting this kind of like oh good job every single time you do it that just without even thinking about it makes you feel better yes that's great it was that your answer for your practices it was that and then i was gonna say that i also like i'm brought it up several times i like teach myself things because then if i can like teach myself something or learn even like a kind of concept and then like apply it to something like I'll teach myself something to do editing in premiere and then I'll be editing a week later and I'll be like oh I can use that thing that I learned yeah it makes me feel so like oh good you did something and you accomplished something and you like furthered that's so great so it gives you like a lot of personal satisfaction without being like just being like oh you're so good at everything it's just like you don't even think about it you're just like oh cool like it worked i learned this strategy from my friend i really love where um they if they if they're really overwhelmed and they have to do a lot of things they make a list and the first thing they put on a list is make a list so you immediately get to cross something off i usually will put something that i've already done that's so smart <laughs> I mean, that's that's great because that does create or like, something momentum. that's like super easy that i know i'll do well, so it's like the first one is like 
order groceries because I'm mm. a lazy piece of shit that will order my groceries, <laughs> not go. But like, and then underneath it's like clean your room and do this work thing and yeah. respond to these emails. The first one's like, okay, do something that like, who, like scrolling yeah. through groceries is not a hard thing that yeah. I might doing. So it's like, okay, I'll start with something easy and then we'll escalate. Really quick about that though. That's funny that we're, that instinct, right? That's such a like cultural, like order groceries, which I do because I'm a lazy piece of shit. Here's here's an alternative thing. Maybe there's I'm being a, I'm no, being efficient with my time because I don't want to leave it, because I'm doing wait, other but, stuff. But even that, even it. that, like that, you have to put in an optimization way. Like, well, the correct moral thing would be to do the hardest thing that I do. Only me, I go do it. Blah blah blah. So then we get past that. The second one is the impulse is to say like, well, actually, maybe I'm being efficient, so I'm actually still productive. It's good to be productive. What if what if it's like we live in a really busy fucking area and like just driving a car is like really bad for everybody. It's just adding to the problem of clogging. Well, and it's just like then I don't know it takes longer it's like somebody already out there do I type in that I want milk or do I have to like walk all the way in the milk aisle and then I'm like oh now I want something else it's on the other side of the store or I could just type it in yeah there's somebody whose job it is to do this now why not just be part of a collective where we'll help each other out and work out in different moving parts and just do that it's just funny that like we're supposed to be like and I I always and that's like a just defense mechanism like that I'm always joking like oh yeah because I did get everything delivered because I really do but that even like um I get my laundry done too and mm-hmm. that Joss and I talk about it a lot because she'll usually get hers done yeah and then it's I think she now has laundry in her apartment which would make a huge difference for me too yeah I have laundry in my apartment now but I and I so I do it here just because it's so easy but I've had it done and it's so nice it's, well it's nice it's and then also it's like sink. when you're doing stuff like when I'm on all the time at work and I'm working long hours or like just doing a lot or thinking about a lot like the last thing I want to do is have to like set aside hours to like yeah. do something like laundry where exactly. it's a lot of waiting and like having to like be very like conscious of yeah. when things are done or I could have it be someone else's problem because like yep. I'm working enough that I can afford that then I'm going to treat myself and that's going to make yep. my quality of life better which is self-care exactly that that's that's a that one that's one of those things laundry stuff that like um, it's like it's not even a laziness thing. No, it's more I, of it a just convenience and just like time. Yeah, I I like end up like with just I just end up sleeping in a lot of clean laundry. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like well, just that's even after I get laundry. it done, it just sits in my room. Yeah, it's bad. Um, well, let's just keep, let's segue on then and continue with the six quick cues. Oh yes, because I'll say that practice thing thing that you said about like having the. Um, but like if you build momentum around success and little hits of like I did a good job whatever um, you'll just innately feel a little better well my brother and I say this thing too I think it helped in sports a little bit too and we apply it to video gaming now we've been like getting better at video games but using like weird like manifestation principles and like positive thinking strategies and one of them is like winning is a habit like if you win and get used to winning and like well it's because you're then you're not like gonna screw up or let something slide because right. you're worried that you're going to if that happens it happens but yeah. otherwise you have like a positive like Oh, yes. I can do this. I've done it before. You just subconsciously move forward. And there's so many other things that you do because you expect them to work so they, so they work. Well, and also even with like, th- I used to play basketball, thinking of that, like you would never start warming up by shooting a half court shot. Like you're always starting right. with a layup. So like, why would you like dive into something and fail if you can maybe set some things up first that are going to like at least get you ready for it? Completely. Yeah, that's great. That's why you did play basketball. I just forget that. I forget about b-ball. Lils. I wasn't that great. I was good at. Th- I can shoot threes, but yeah. I was like, kind of, I was really little in high school. Mm-hmm. So, and like most of the girls who played basketball were not. Yeah. So I was just like kind of scared of everyone, and like it would hurt if you like yeah. got like elbowed in the boob. That was a common yeah. thing. But um, the thing you said about the thing you said about even um, then I was practicing all the time because like mm-hmm. I always wanted to be good. 
<clears throat> that just seems to be a trait that you have because you said you're teaching yourself all the time. You edit very diligently. You're like always you're looking for little things that are repetitive that you can I think it's always at. just finding ways you can get a little better. That's really good. There's a great thing uh, in a book that you reminded me too of uh, when we're talking about this idea of like if you worry about you're going to mess it up sometimes you're more likely to mess it up. Like one of my favorite books it's like this uh, th- this guy just says professionals get embarrassed later. Like well, it's in the context of like a fantasy book and he's fighting this guy and they're both like assassins or something like that but like um, I always think about it because it's like he fucks up he slips and gets fucked up and he's maybe gonna die now because of it in this tussle with this guy and uh, and if he and the point is that if that person spends the time being like oh my god I fucked up I'm so fucking stupid I'm fucked up then he, of course he's gonna die that's but if what he's you were do. using that time to figure out how to like fix it yeah, or how to turn get it out around and be like, then, yeah. oh, that's the new parameters just move forward move yeah. forward from the new parameters get embarrassed later when you're safe and warm in your bed yeah. blah, blah blah and I think that that's so true in life like if you screw up and then just go into your weird little whirlwind about like oh I'm such a fuck up I knew I'd screw up oh my god everyone's so looking at me because I screw up well now they that's are that's a huge thing that I feel like it's you and I, I definitely have this too that you always are thinking everyone else is like thinking about you way more than they are. Yeah, like everyone more. has their own shit. Yeah. They're not really you're yeah. not their main focus. And if you if you are, then yeah. something else is going on. But like at the end of the day, when people are and it's usually people with bad anxiety, like we'll right. say something to someone and then think about it all day long. I can guarantee you, ninety nine percent of the time, that person didn't even think it was weird and never even thought about it again. Completely, completely agree. One thing that I thought of that yeah. you uh, when you were saying that I always do like to teach myself stuff. I told you before, have you read about imposter syndrome? Yeah. Well, we talked about that on this, on this other too, which is or way early. We were talking about something like that. When like people, when you get in these positions, you're like, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. That's everybody. Well, no, but that's even like, I'm like always teaching myself editing stuff because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, I feel like if I like went out, I wouldn't be like applying to jobs being like, I'm an editor. Like I feel like yeah. a lot of the times I don't ever identify with what I'm doing. I totally I'm like, get that. I know how to do it. And I'm like, could do a good job. And if it was for someone I knew, it would make me feel more comfortable. But right. if it was like someone going, could you edit this project for me? I would be like, well, I, I guess I, I could know try. What you mean. Kind there, of. There is such a thing as like professional standards at certain levels that like. I get nervous about that too. I can edit things. I have good editing sensibilities, but I still got to look some stuff up on Adobe sometimes. Yeah. Or same with like, oh, I'm a host. Like, yeah. I feel weird even saying that. And that's, I think, sure. comes to, but I even, don't even know. Hosting, I think being a YouTuber in general, yeah. you don't really know how to categorize yourself because you're always yeah. kind of like master of all trades, jack of none. Yes, exactly. Opposite. Jack of all trades, master of yep. none. But I like your <laughs> no, version. I tried. <laughs> I'm a master of all trades. I'm a jack of none. <laughs> but um, that <laughs> I feel like I'm always trying to, and not in like an unhealthy way, which I think can happen yeah. is they're always and that was one thing I read one time it's like a type of imposter syndrome that you're always like you're a skill hoarder Ooh. that you're like trying to learn all this stuff but like you don't actually need to and it takes away from the stuff you do need to know Ooh, I and like that you should that. wait until you actually need to know it like for example if I'm trying to do something editing if there's I'm like how did that person do something like that I don't need to know that six months before I'm ever going to use it necessarily. That makes sense. So when I like I'm do teaching myself stuff, it's usually more like general things that I know I might use, but like, Sk- don't I just, just like, cause I it's true. That. Like if you yeah. feel like you're never good enough, so you're always trying to learn more, you're never going to be able to like, you're your own worst critic. So right. it's always going to, yeah, that's a fine line between like preparation and no industry standards and stuff. just being like, you're freaking out and thinking that you're not good enough. Right. Cross that bridge. And you come to it. Yeah. I would say burn that bridge and I come to it, but you know, um, all right. What's something cheesy? Cause we're, we're deep in the six quick cues right now. Oh, yeah. We're going to say that first when we're done with practices, something cheesy that actually inspires you. <laughs> um, lately I've been watching a lot of American Idol. 
Okay. Mostly because Katy Perry is the host and I love her. Love it. But also because one of my favorite things to do is watch people like videos of people's dreams coming true. Oh, that's really American Idol is like not the best example because I feel like a lot of the time it is a little overproduced. But like there's some genuine moments in there that like watching people cry because they like think they're going to now be like pursuing their career that they've been like training their whole life. I just like can't take it. Ugly crying every time. And then I feel like that that makes me be like, keep going. Like other people are going to follow their dreams. You keep following yours. I think that's a really good thing to keep in perspective about a lot of like lame Hollywood stuff because Hollywood stuff does feel gross. Definitely is a money making thing. There's a lot of gross stuff about it. But but there's still some really genuine moments that people are like, I mean, Hollywood is very much, everyone says it's like, that's where you go to follow your dreams. And I feel like it gets this really negative stigma. But like, All the people in LA are usually like really hard workers and they're trying to do something that they don't even necessarily know what it is. I know. I I also think it's good to remember like all those weird, like those rooms full of people at the fucking Academy Awards and shit like that. Um, My friend always says like, they were all drama weirdos. They were all like weirdos somewhere pursuing a weird dream. And now they did it. These aren't even cheesy, but also to add to that, like celebrity graduation speeches when they're like honorary, those are really nice too. Because I feel like they're always like, uh, I was 35 and like didn't have a job yeah. and then like two days later this happened and then like what's your favorite one do you have a favorite one you think of no I feel like did Will Ferrell do one I, I think, think that none he of did. them I don't even like watch like consistently no, so yeah, I could go back and watch my, no but I just feel like there's been several that kind of surprised me and are just like oh I like that I just think that there's a really false image that a lot of people in entertainment and even YouTube now for like little kids that it's this like glamorous great thing but in the end of the day a lot of people in entertainment are like kind of the most messed up because they don't really know what they want I get that but I think that's that's um, also why you end up in entertainment like because that's the that is the human we are the if humanity is one big body and one big personality one big brain like we're the part that like wants to think of new things that that isn't sure what anything is and is trying to figure that out and dreaming and imagining and so I think it makes sense that a lot of us are kind of like I don't know it's just like overwhelming because it's like what direction do you go yeah because you're just so in pursuance of this thing that you know is very real but very ephemeral like very hard to grasp and you, you don't even know how to draw the outline of it you're well just and like, that's I think even like years ago it was like if you wanted to go into entertainment you're like okay I'm gonna be an actor I'm gonna be a producer and right. now it's like you could do so many yeah. things <laughs> I think it ends up being like I, I just want to make shit I yep. just want to make shit I want to make shit that makes people's lives better well and that's what my always biggest thing for like when little kids I see that like the number one job that kids want the this um this year is being a YouTuber yeah and I'm like, okay, love that because I love that that's even a th- term yeah. that people are considering a job yeah. now. But at the same time, I think so many people that are doing that don't, if YouTube didn't exist, they wouldn't have answered that question. I want to make videos. That's correct. And that's the biggest problem. That's like, correct. if you do not want to make videos every day, then this is the wrong job because I well, think people forget that that's what it is. I think there's two like weirdly subtly profound things. Well, one's silly and one of these subtly profound. The subtly profound thing I think is that being a YouTuber as it's interpreted is that people get paid, which they really don't, like ever, to be themselves. Yeah. And the idea that like, what do I want to be when I grow up? Myself. Like that's kind of amazing. And so I think example, I think that's very expressive of where our culture, like our, our like human civilization has come to this mm-hmm. point where the newest generations and everybody for the last like probably 50 years, the kind of overwhelming impulse is no longer to build a great nation, to build us up, to build us up. It's We just want to be ourselves. Mm-hmm. That's literally the impulse. Please just let us be ourselves and stop doing this 
weird thing where we need to build well, and before armies you and- needed a lot of less less big picture than that but like before you needed a lot of help and resources to be able to do that kind of stuff right. and you, you it wasn't an option to just like do right. it on your own now because it's just you there. only had like if you had thousands of dollars to get a nice camera or something but i love there's a video um Sorry, no, sorry. Um, that Casey Neistat put out. It's I think it's like how to vlog. And he basically is like, uh, I'm just going to tell you right now, you don't need a lot of equipment. You just need an idea. And at the end of the day, I'm like that. It's true. I'm like, Darren yes, Aronofsky, equipment helps yeah. and will like help you do things. But this day and age, if you have a phone like yeah. that footage is better than the That's kind right. of stuff people were filming on 10 years ago Completely. when they the, did have money. This, um, Darren Aronofsky, who directs like a lot of movies. Black Swan. Who, yeah, Black Swan. <laughs> and um, he did The Wrestler, which I really like. And he said that wrestler was pretty low budget. The, the that movie. And he said about it, he goes, um, something like, it was like, all you need for a movie is an honest performance and a lens. And I, I think that is the same idea. Like, all you need is an idea. You, you, it's so, people get in their way so much. And you see things all the time. Yes, production value can be a thing that, like, doesn't challenge the eyes. So you just accept garbage. That's, like, garbage. something I'm, like, most passionate about on YouTube mm-hmm. is that a lot of the time people are, like, and it companies specifically, it's, like, premium, elevated, make it bigger. And I'm, like... At the end of the day, I want to make something that I could film with like three people in a room yeah. because that's going to be more personal and come across. It's, I don't like it when a project gets too many hands in it because then it's just not authentic. And right. that's, I think, why YouTube is a thing to begin with. Yeah. So YouTube. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. The YouTube thing, they're, broadcast yourself. Yeah. It was like, I also not think, film a movie. Right. <laughs> Which like, I, still great. Love a good YouTube red show. Love yeah. a high quality project. But I don't think everything needs to be. And yeah. I think having it be lower budget does make it a more genuine experience for people, depending on what it is. Yeah. Sometimes I, I like to think of like a dystopian future where like we're gonna have robots doing every job for every person. And it's gonna be like, there's 7 billion people now. There were like 3 billion. We're just three, talking about that. There's, I guess, three um, of the 70s, uh, robots that will like edit now. And I was oh, like, that's so crazy. Which on one hand, I'm like, oh, shit. But then on the other, I'm like, but you would never be able to replace like yeah. a human like that take was better yeah. or that like. I just feel like the only job that will be left that um, robots don't do will be content creators. So <laughs> everybody will be a content creator with one or two followers. And your job will be to create content for one other person. And then they'll make and they'll take their days making their content for one other person or something like that. I actually do think you're seeing a thing more with Patreon and stuff like that. And just thinking how many people there are like one thing i think is like if if population has basically doubled since the 70s like the whole world there's a whole nother one of those now well and you know what i mean yeah but then also like think of like that means there's enough room for two elvises you know or whatever (laughs) and the more people that there there get to be like well also though think of like back in the day there's how many like when tv started like tv didn't start that long ago right and even like the transformation it's had now, but you've only ever watched what you had available to you. Right. So now that we have the internet right. and everyone has these resources so to make their own available. stuff, you are getting stuff that you never even knew you wanted. Totally. And I think that's why Patreon's being successful because people are like, well, I like watching, like I'd spend five hours watching this YouTube channel, but I only like will watch that show like maybe yeah. sometimes. Yeah. I mean, with the Patreon thing is, it's, I think it's interesting too that like there are people who are not enormous YouTubers who are like, you know, Having a living now. Yeah. Anyway, go to the Patreon for this, for my good, bad brain. (laughs) My good, bad brain. Patreon. Give us your money. Okay. Um, Real quick, let's jam through these. uh, What's something dark about you? 
I love watching like fucked up like murder mysteries serial killer I took a serial killer class in college really I love any just because I I will never understand how their brains work so it fascinates me like love crime documentaries I think it's too deep to dig into too much right it now. Will. We're out of time. I, I will never but I stop like talking. That. Okay, fine. I accept we, that. I think that's a common like a new one podcast right now. If there's another making a murder or something. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people are into that shit. I have a lot of friends that I've like that it, it, is it, like our connectors yeah. that like, oh, did you watch this? We won't get into it right now. I want to d- dive into that so hard. I that's a, see we got to wrap it up yeah. for this one. But like, because I think it's weird a little bit that people are so disconnected. There's like, just this like morbid curiosity. I know. I think they though they forget that there's real people that like died and are fucked up and they just become so fascinated with like the, what happened you know so there's such a narrative and it's dark to me it's dark and it strange is, that that's why I said it because I know it's dark no, because that. it is like you watch it as entertainment and it's like something that is not you shouldn't do as entertainment <laughs> you know there's this whole thing public execution if it was based on popular opinion never would have gone away like it only went away people never stopped loving public executions they only got rid of them because the government was like no we're not gonna do that anymore there's a really uh, hardcore history Dan Harmon did one about public executions it's like three hours it's fucking fascinating anyway uh, what's something you thought was cool when you were younger but is definitely not cool now I didn't I was thinking about this I didn't have an answer what's an example I don't know like anything it could be because it, it, you could interpret it however you want it could be like a behavior or something weird or it could be like jinkos I mean, if we're going like fashion, like I used to love butterfly clips. I used to love like those little like the necklace, the chokers that were oh. like stretchy. Um, That's I don't good. know. I like those. Uh, nothing comes to mind as being like, uh, the other thing there was I'm, definitely yeah. nothing I was obsessed with that now I'm like, oh, you're so embarrassing. I, mean, I guess Beanie Babies was a weird thing that like. Yeah, that's funny. Stuffed animals are great, but like the amount of money my mom spent on Beanie Babies and yeah, the lines like we stood in. <laughs> it's, there's an aspect to it of like my grandma definitely invested in a lot of, invested, quote unquote, in a lot of Beanie Babies. Oh, uh, we I, invested too until my mom sold them all at a garage sale. Oh my We're God. We're still in a fight about it. Mom. I know. Let's move on. All right. Yeah, that's fine. That's enough for me. Um, what's the last gorgeous thing you saw? I would just say, like, I really... <laughs> this is cheesy, but I went home yesterday, and one of my favorite views that's, like, not anything, like, mind-blowing, but just, like, I feel like I take it for granted a lot, and then I'm all of a sudden like, oh, that's really nice, is when you're driving on... I went home yesterday for a hair appointment, so I went to Thousand Oaks, that the when you're going down the 405, like, before right before you get on the 101, mm-hmm. it, like, overlooks, like, basically all of the valley. Yeah. That I'm always just kind of, like, take a moment to be like, that's really nice. Yeah. I used to live in Sherman And then Oaks. I keep complaining about traffic. Well, that's traffic. It's horrible. But that's really, that is a beautiful one. I love a good view. I used to be really fucking taken by that also. It, it's very strange. It's very like, I don't know. The valley feels mystical and weird to me. That's, and I don't weird. necessarily like being in it, but overlooking it yeah. is quite nice. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> uh, all right. Give me a, a self-care practice that you like recently or that you is a fave of yours. I love a good bath. You like it just kind of yeah. like it forces you to relax. Oh, that's acupuncture good. too. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's a good that would one. be Keep my that. good one. Um, you think farts are funny? I want to say no. Like, off, like, do yeah. I consciously think they're funny? No. And if someone farted, would I laugh? But like, when there's like fart machine kind of like segments does, on things, I'll giggle. Right. Like, I feel like that's something that like you can't escape. Like. Yeah. Poop humor always will have some kind of like your inner elementary school is like oh. <laughs> 
Yeah. All right. The very but I also don't like to talk about it a lot. I think it's no, like a little gross to be like, like to over the top. Yeah. I don't send that one to people before because I'm always like curious. some people I feel like are very like, oh yeah, did you like to yeah. the point that they'll like send pictures of their shit to people and then I'm like, oh that's mm, intense. No. I don't do the sending shit to people, but I'll talk about shit a lot and whatever. Yeah, that's so funny. That's a barrier I, I don't really cross. I think that's more of like a grow how you were raised kind of situation. Totally. Like if your family or if you had brothers and your totally. family's like super open. Mm, yeah. Um, the very last thing I have a thing I started this is dark but I guess uh, when I was in my late 20s I started the don't kill yourself list uh, which was like in a very dark time in my life I just like to remind myself I, I you know to my terrible brain that was trying to kill me like hey there's all these things you actually love life is real good life is real good beautiful beautiful world out there and it started with coffee sandwiches and lavender soap so I ask everybody to add something Ooh. usually it's something accessible or like not too expensive it can be totally like a metaphorical concept whatever but I per- you know, whatever you want, add something to the don't kill yourself list. My first two were going to be <laughs> horses and puppies, but I feel like I can I can group them into one and just Horsey. say animals. Yep. The amount of just pure unfiltered joy I feel when interacting with animals. Like mm-hmm. it's just so like I'm so genuinely happy yeah. that it's nice. Um, what do you think it is about it? I don't know. Like, it's just like, I feel like that's like a form of meditation. Like, petting animals. Yeah. It's just like, they're so, like, innocent. You just want to, I don't know. Yeah, I think that's true. I think they they, they lack uh, premeditation. You just, like, like go want to be, like, on their side, kind of. Yeah, know? yeah. I think because, because it's, uh, like, an animal, like, a dog will eat another animal. Like, a dog will kill something. But there's no ill will in them. Yeah. It's like, they're doing it because they're, like, the way a bacteria would eat another bacteria. And so they're just sort of these precious beings that are like just existing. Yeah. And it's hard. You can't blame them for any of that. And it's such a like guileless. They're never trying to trick you. And you have to be very like careful and gentle. Like you. It's very much like on their terms. I feel like. Oh, that's really interesting. It's like a weird kind of like relinquishing power control over a situation. That's so fascinating because that. I'm like kind of just thinking about it now. But it's like it puts me in this very like, oh, like I'm very relaxed. I think it's because like I don't have to think about anything other than like is this animal gonna like not that I'm conscious of being like is this horse gonna bite me or something but that's how you approach an animal is that you're like very much like respect exactly care and that makes me that's like calmness because they can read if you're if you took your consciousness outside of all your worries and anxieties or whatever and lived your life in a way where everybody you met you were like hey are you okay I just want to make sure you're okay. Right? Like, with what's however, like, even the most tough person, like, oh, yeah. cute little puppy. Yeah. Like, how much better would you feel if you took your concern out of you and just made it all about, let me make sure I'm being kind, respectful? Well, it would help if everyone was, like, really cute and didn't talk, but. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to leave it right there. I think that's really good. Thanks for being on My Good Bad Brain. Of course. Uh, yeah. I was like, I don't, uh, uh, bye. No, that's it. Thank yeah, you for that, having that, me. we're going to let it just taper this off. This was nice. Oh, we're like this. Okay. Thank you. Bye. Bye. I don't know why that ending was so abrupt I didn't like realize at the time I think I just was so conscious of the time wrapping up (laughs) I think Lowe's maybe had to go I don't know but I was like it was abrupt so I thought I'd just sit here for a second while we you know become not abrupt just let it I don't know I don't know there's this uh the the, this artist I really like, Taylor Mack, who I mentioned on the last podcast I went to their show, that has this thing they said about like, they, oh, don't have to put a button on everything, you know? 
sometimes yeah I know how to put a button on stuff you kind of go bang bang and then go haha and then it's like a wonderful wrapped up ending but you know that sort of buys into this whole like capitalist story structure this idea of like climax some big thing happens at the end that there's like a payoff you know and sometimes it's nice to subvert that and just kind of go and that's over okay and if I was really going to do it, like I would just stop right now and then it would be done. We'd just trickle out and be done. But um, anyway, oh, I said Dan Harmon. I meant Dan Carlin. Two very different people. Dan Harmon's a Rick and Morty and community writer and Dan Carlin is the hardcore history guy. So if you're interested in that little tidbit I said about uh, public execution, which is fascinating, actually dark, but fascinating stuff. Uh, Dan Carlin did a thing about public execution. I forget the name of the actual podcast, but it's on the Hardcore History Podcast, which is one of my favorite podcasts. It, ugh, history rules. Just thinking about people that, you know, we've basically had the same, we've been the same people for so long. But we did such different things as, like, community, you know? I don't know. It can be kind of nice sometimes to just get some more context. Especially World War One stuff. You get a lot of context for, like, where we're at now. Like, that wasn't that long ago. All right. Was this enough of a softer ending to get out of here? I don't know. Probably not. Uh, thank you for listening again this week. My Good Bad Brain. Patreon.com slash My Good Bad Brain. If you feel like tossing some dough into this bakery. You know what I mean? Um, oh, yeah. Reviews are good. If you can do reviews uh, on iTunes and stuff. Those are so, so helpful for ratings and nonsense. And they just make, make me feel good in my, uh, in my tummy, my heart. Oh, I think that's it. Hydrate, you know, drink a lot of water. It's really good for you. It's the only thing that's like for sure really good for you. I mean, there's other things, but that one's like pretty absolute. Hydrate, exercise, take care of yourself, self-care. You know what I mean? (laughs) All right. Thanks, y'all. Thanks for listening. See you next week. My good, bad brain. Yeah, bye. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.